This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. It's Sunday the 10th of May. I've had to push him out of the studio. I mean, the re- he said, I'll just say goodbye on air. I said, no, no, go now, go now. They're waiting for you outside. Believe you me, they're waiting outside. Nice to be company. Welcome to Sunday morning. We got a bit confused yesterday, didn't we? I got no end of text from people saying, it is Saturday, isn't it? And I said, yes, it is Saturday. And today's Sunday. And I'm here a little bit earlier than usual. And there's no in-conversation today, OK? You're getting the hang of this at the moment. And the reason being, everybody thought this election was going to run and run and run. And it turned out to be done and dusted by Friday. But it was still nice to hear Nick Ferrari with Andrew Pearce on a Saturday. And it was nice to hear me as well. Stories in the papers today. Oh, we've got the complete set for you. You're going to go to bed really happy this morning. Because of stories of misery, stories of elation, happy stories... Really, really sad stories and uh, and other desperately sad stories. I mean, you know, a, a Nolan on benefit fraud charges and she's admitted it. And uh, she, she's done a story in one of the papers, obviously trying to do damage limitation. Uh, who next? Next? Who next? Who next to lead the Labour Party? And David Lammy, who said he'd. Well, I mean, honestly, you can't ask David Lammy to do that. You know, I mean, it's, it, to be honest with you, if you thought Russell Brand killed the Labour Party vote, David Lammy's going to kill it even further having witnessed his appalling, uh, embarrassing gaffes on, I think it was a celebrity mastermind, where he laughingly thought he was some sort of celebrity. And they put him on there. This man didn't know anything. 13 points he scored. He had to keep saying pass, but he didn't know anything. I mean, he really was dim. I was really embarrassed to think that even on his chosen subject, which was Bob Marley, I knew more about Bob Marley than David Thick the Plank Lammy knew. And when it came to the general knowledge questions, classic example, who succeeded Henry VIII? Henry VII was his answer. I mean, dear God, man, you can't be that stupid. But luckily it's there on YouTube for all to see. And then he said, oh, of course, if I, if I don't do that, perhaps I could be Mayor of London. What? What? Oh, dear me, please. The hate mob in number 10 rampage. I was listening to people talking about it. I was going to drive down there because if I find the person who defaced a war memorial, I'll personally pull the trap door open myself. We've had this before, haven't we, with a uh, a member of a leading group's adopted son uh, who decided to swing on the cenotaph, and frankly, I'd have swung for him too. I just can't believe that the people who go protesting, and nobody's got any problem. If you want to go and protest, go and protest. There are a few pictures in the papers of some some quite clearly deranged buffoons out there with hatred in their eyes. And the hatred has got nothing to do with the Conservative Party. It's the police. It's anybody in authority. It's anybody who's got more than they have. But as they're all drug-smoking benefit scroungers, every time you see them out there, you know it's just like rent a mob, but they can only manage 12. And, uh, and the police rounded them up. And you think, you don't do yourselves any favours, do you? You know, nobody's going to... Put it this way, whatever party you think you represent, everybody else is going to desert it. They're going to go, we don't want to be known as the party that's got low-life thugs like that out there doing it. And to deface a war memorial. And you're proudly saying, oh, we're here to defend, you know, younger people and older people, look out, and you deface a war memorial. <laughs> what a bunch of girls' blouses. What a gun- bunch of girls' blouses they must be. Um, the girl who's addicted to sunbeds is in the paper today. We've had we've had one of these before. I understand how people get addicted to it. They get addicted to the colour. They get addicted to the colour. They 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 want to be seen as as brown because they uh, they actually think that brown equals healthy. 
Whereas in a lot of cases, brown equals skin cancer. And her grandmother got skin cancer. You know, people who live in hot countries will tell you that, you know, it's not healthy to lie out in the sun. It's not healthy to do sunbeds. You've got to, you've got to be very careful with these things. I remember going, I told you years ago, we went to um, the south of France. We went to Cannes and we were given a flat a couple of friends of mine and myself, and we were given this flat on the Quasette, which was very nice. Uh, they had strict rules. You couldn't hang your swimming costume out on the balcony. They didn't approve of that at all. And uh, it was very nice, but when we opened the bathroom cabinet, it was full of fake tan. The woman who owned it, only fake tan. She didn't lie on the beach. You could see the people who'd been on the beach because their skin was like parchment, and it, they really looked awful. They really looked dreadful. And most of those, I should imagine, must be dead by now. Uh, Linda Nolan is the, uh, is the benefit fraudster. Although she says, I've been naive and stupid. No, you're a fraudster. That's what it says. Benefit fraud on the top of the envelope. She thought it had all been forgotten. But uh, they've decided to take her to court. Obviously to make an example of her. It doesn't matter whether she's Linda Nolan or Linda Nobody. It doesn't make any difference. You know, even more embarrassing... The fact that uh, she's blamed it on the fact that her husband died, which we knew about. Um, and, of course, she couldn't go back on stage. Not that anybody was interested, really, in the Nolans going back. They had a little half-hearted tour, which uh, sort of Colleen masterminded. Two of the, uh, the main parts of the group were dropped from it. They're a family that fights. That's the trouble. They, they, they just can't seem to get on. You'd have thought, if you've got a sister... And she's living on benefits and she's living in rented accommodation in Blackpool and she needed the benefits to get through. You thought the family could have sort of come together and gone, listen, can we help her out? Give her, you know, put this way, Colleen, would it hurt you to give 500 quid a month to her, the money you're earning? Come on, come on, you've got your column, you've got this and that. 500, I'd do it for my family. Perhaps they hate each other so much that nobody wants to do anything. You'd have thought, with all the sisters, they say, listen, all right, you can only afford £200 a month to give to her. Let's all rally round and do it. It's your sister. But then, you know, they all sort of uh, blocked one of their sisters out after she wrote a book talking about their paedophile father and his predilection for her. And that was the problem. That was when they all started falling out. And then when one of them died, you know, they said, you know, her, her wish was that the family got back together and, and sort of behaved in a normal way. But they don't. People just don't. I don't ever have. I don't like families falling out. I get quite depressed about it. I'm slightly conster- concerned about uh, poor little uh, Mr. Burko. And his wife, Sally, uh, they're in the papers today. Uh, the reason they're in the paper is they're claiming that, uh, that she's uh, moved in with his cousin, Sally the Burke, you know, the attention-seeking. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. And then she hung around with that uh, my big fat gypsy wedding bloke and he went to live with her and she went to live with him. And uh, as I say, she's obviously suffering from him telling her, stop showing off, because she is a silly little show. She's known as Sally the Burke. And uh, <laughs> Burke by name, Burke by nature. And so now they're actually saying that she's moved in to another property with some of the... Blo- Where they get that from, I've got no idea. She was always an attention seeker and a silly little show-off. She was always that sort of person. And so now his cousin has moved into his £1.2 million London home with Sally. I wouldn't mind, but the cousin's not uh, not a patch on old John Burko. John Burko's a good-looking boy. But uh, the cousin, but there again, I suppose Sally the Burke is, I don't know, perhaps she's sort of looking after him. I wouldn't like to actually hazard a guess as as to what actually goes on, because it's nothing to do with me. It's not my business. I couldn't really care less. I just don't like to see her any which way but. I don't want to see her on the inside of the pages, on the outside of the pages. Louis Walsh has been axed after 11 years. He accepted his time is up. 
and Simon Cowell broke the news to him personally. So they said. Now, it was on the cards. I think even Louis would know it was on the cards, but I think he loved doing it. I really do. I don't care that he was sometimes a buffoon. I don't care that sometimes he he sat there and you thought, Louis's mind's gone dancing again, hasn't it? He doesn't know where he is, poor soul. He's got no idea. You really nailed it. And then he liked Jedward. Then he got rid of Jedward. Then he had girls allowed. We had girls allowed before. And, uh, and then he ditched them because, frankly, they'd, they'd run the course. And uh, there he is. He's 62. He's got a private life. He likes to keep his private life private. For all those people who speculated about Louis Walsh's life, he likes to keep it private. You know, he is in a relationship. Excuse me. But he doesn't want to talk about it. He doesn't want to talk about it. Why would he? It's nothing to do with his job. He's, uh, he's just happy. His mother's still around. And, uh, and everything's sort of tickety-boo. So he's not on the television. They'll find something else for him. Perhaps he'll be a mentor or, or something like that. Uh, Mark Wright, apparently, is going to have kebabs at his wedding to Michelle Keegan. Class. Cla- love a class act. And uh, Mark, apparently, has asked his favourite restaurant to lay them on. This is the restaurant that every time they talk about the NUA's Essex, they always mention this restaurant. It's called Sheesh in Chigwell. And to be honest with you, it's full of it's full of all those old tarts from the Only Wears Essex. You know, you'd walk in the door and it's a Boots minefield in there. It seriously is. The entire number seven range is on display. And because it's got a reputation of being the place where they all go to, it's full of people who want to go to look at people like that. So luckily for me, I avoid like plague. Nobody ever wants to go to a place like that. Every time you see a picture of a pair of old tarts from Anyways Essex, where are they going? Heading out for a night at Sheesh. You think, oh, God, it's just so bad. It's just so bad. Gino De Campo. Don't like Gino De Campo. Uh, ever since we saw him the other day, you remember on the Celebrity Juice dressed as, as Robin, Batman's sidekick. Of course, Robin, very appropriate. That's what he went to prison for from Paul Young. He robbed at an early time, and now he's a bit creepy on the television. In fact, he's very creepy on the television. And uh, he's now been questioned by police as a possible witness over a memory loss mystery involving a woman who went to his hotel room. Uh, the woman who has no recollection of her evening with Gino, who is married and with three children, um, they think that um, they're going... To, well, the, well, the police think they might have to give a toxicology test to see if there's any traces of, uh, of drugs. Uh, she met him in a bar after a book signing session, and then headed back to his hotel. It's understood she didn't stay the night. She says she woke up the next morning and had no recollection of the previous evening. I've had days like that. I've had days where I think, what the dickens, where am I? What am I, where am I? Where is this place? Oh, hello, Your Majesty. You know, I mean, I, I, sometimes I've got no idea at all. But uh, there's something odd about Gino De Campo. He spends most of his time on just being a dirty boy. I'm afraid. And with three children, a little bit of an embarrassment. Uh, we don't see the wife very often. I suspect we probably not, might not again. But anyway, she's uh, there. He's been touring the country, signing his book, Gino's Veg Italia. His agent declined to comment. Oh, dear. You don't think he has a reputation, do you? I love it when they have reputations, don't you? I love it. They go, well, actually, of course, everybody knew. But they kept it quiet. No, nobody talked about it. Why? They didn't want to talk. I mean, I know secrets about celebrities. I wouldn't dream of telling people. wouldn't dream of telling people. Unless it was somebody I trusted implicitly. And to be honest, between you, me, you and the gatepost, most of you I couldn't trust to, you know, to sort of thread a conker onto a piece of string. But there's a, somebody wrote <laughs> that's a Twitter to me. I wasn't sure if they were drunk, actually. I suppose that, well, they, they, they might have been. We do, we do get drunks. And this is somebody called... What's his name? I thought it was called... I thought it was called Tony. 
And he says, um, LBC, can Atty and Dale work 20 hours and at Steve Allen show four hours? I wouldn't need a TV, hashtag just asking. And I thought, I work a six-day week, I don't do four hours. Perhaps he's, then I thought perhaps he's on drugs. Perhaps he's in some home or something and matrons only just allowed him access to the computer. He says, Ian Dale works 20 hours a week. He does, he works a four-hour show. I do a a two-and-a-half-hour show. You know, can't have too much of a good thing, can you? And you have to look at the figures. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 19 minutes past four. The time in Milan is... I have no idea. But my friend Ryan uh, is over in Milan. He says, I've just got in from the clubs. I mean, it's a ridiculous time to get in from the clubs, for goodness sake. He said, I came here to watch the football. It's John's birthday. So happy... Who's John? Happy 29th, anyway. Happy 29th. He says, nice to hear you before going to bed in Italy. Italy. You must be coming back. Are you coming back today? What's today? Santa? Are you off next week? Nobody tells me anything, honestly. People just disappear on holiday. My brother's gone away. I can't remember where he's gone to. And then uh, and then my friend Paul Cooper's going away on holiday. Might be going away on holiday. But he's definitely going, whether his girlfriend goes with him. Been a bit of a, ru- a ruckus on that one. And uh, and another friend of mine has gone away on holiday as well. Joe, so she's gone. I forget where she, she's gone off with some friends. Everybody's on holiday. I wouldn't mind, but I didn't even get a picture from Ryan, which I was looking forward to. But uh, happy birthday, uh, John. 29th. 29th birthday. So similar to my own. So similar to my own. Oh, bad news. If you're in the music business, apparently Kavanagh is bringing out uh, a new single called Deja Vu. So, <laughs> not really a lot I can say about that. Is that This is uh, Kavanagh who went... He had one hit single years ago. I think it was only the one. And then he disappeared. Uh, then he became gay. And then he turned up in, I think, uh, the Big Brother house. And then he was just a bit of a waste of space. Then he appeared on that programme where they reunited a lot of deadbeat groups, uh, including Blue and uh, Five, who turned out to be Three, and various other... I think Atomic Kitten were on the same kind of circuit. And Kavanaugh was on there. But again, he just... He couldn't really be bothered. He was a bit of a waste of space. And now, jokingly, he's brought out a single. But guess what he's done to guarantee that this single is going to be the failure we all know it to be? In the video, he's put Katie Price. <laughs> I mean, really? Could have saved yourself the money. Could have saved yourself the money. But apparently, uh, Katie got to kiss uh, one of the extras. And so they. So the headline is, Katie's Kevin the last laugh. Because if you remember, her, her husband cheated on her with two of her best friends. So Katie Price was sort of appeared in a video. Nobody's ever asked. Nobody wants Katie Price in a video. Kiss of death, she is. Kiss of death. I mean, kiss of death for him and for her. I mean, his his career never took off, did it, really? I don't think... I mean, I'm being kind. I don't think I'm being cruel about it. I'm just sort of saying it the way it is. It's after we heard that half the people from the Saturdays were going solo. And I thought to myself, well, nobody's going to be interested, are they, in people going solo from the Saturdays? I mean, it's a group they were practically washed up. So when they start going single and solo, you think, no, you can't re- It doesn't work like that. It really doesn't. The videos, the, you know, the, the, the video and the singles market is so fickle nowadays. What they're looking for is, is sort of pretty boys who at least can sort of look as though they like each other. Or failing that, pretty boys who can play instruments. And if you're looking for, for girls, really, we've seen enough girl bands, you know, to last a million years. I wouldn't give you, you know, half a crown for any of them, I'm afraid. I've seen... Who was it in the building the other day? Little Mix came in. I had to say to somebody, who's that? And somebody went, Little Mix. I went, they were so sort of showbiz. And yet they're only about so big. 
Doesn't work well in stereo, does it? But sort of, they're about that big. Really, really small. Terrible. I found the world's most expensive booze. I don't think it's in Milan, Ryan. Uh, this one here is cognac. And if you want a shot of it, it's going to cost you £5,000 for a shot. It's, it's very, very, very rare. It's 1788, and you're only going to get a tipple of it. It's not to do with whether you've got £5,000. It's whether or not the bloke who owns it likes you. If he doesn't like you, he's not going to sell it to you. I mean, it's interesting, this. It's in a two-part series, uh, which is going out on Channel 4. Uh, pri- private jet. <laughs> oh, wait a minute, I've got a photo. I've got a photo. Got a photo. I haven't got a photo. Oh. Well, why did I not get the photo? I didn't get a photo. It just says, here's your photo, and that's it. I'm a bit disappointed now. Nothing worse than leading people on. Honestly, you're over in Italy, and you go, here's the photo, and I don't get the photo. I got more from my friend Graham, who's gone to America, who's been to a Christmas store, and he sent me five pictures of a Christmas tree. Which, of course, is very nice, but it's all, it's all the same pictures. And from Italy, nothing. Nothing at all, Ryan. Really disappointed. Almost to the point of tears. Point of tears. Uh, what else is expensive? A private jet and dinner can be £1,000. Well, that's quite normal. Don't you think so? Private jet and dinner? I would expect to pay £1,000 for that. Uh, also, uh, beluga. This is caviar. £14,000 a kilogram. This is for, for royal sturgeon. I mean, you can get cheap caviar, but if you want beluga and you want the very best, people will pay a fortune for it. People get shot over beluga caviar. People go out there and deliver. I mean, I've, I've seen programmes uh, where they keep it in fridges. Middle of nowhere, there'll be somebody with ten fridges, and they've been out there and caught these royal sturgeon, opened their stomachs up, and, uh, and they just take it. This stuff is worth a fortune. People pay a fortune. I have tried. It's a bit salty for me caviar i'm not you know given the choice sausage egg and chips would be quite nice but um ryan says i'm trying you certainly are (laughs) certainly are trying it's not made it has it it said it's not letting me send you know what you've probably done on your phone it's probably it's allowed you to send i think you can have this i could be wrong it'll allow you to send text but anything that's actually got something it could be quite expensive to send a file and that's what i suspect it is and you being mean uh, haven't obviously expanded your telephone. I suspect it's a file that it won't let you send because you're abroad. Because I, I think, if memory serves, I've had somebody else doing that. And they said to me, I couldn't send you the picture because I, I told them I was using the phone abroad, but it won't allow me to send things like that. So uh, so that's why. But don't, don't worry. Don't worry. I'll just sit here being all depressed. You know. In fact, you've ruined my Sunday and everybody else's, neither here nor there. <sighs> anyway. Um, actually, somebody who's, who's a long way away but uh, not, 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 uh, not f- well, they are further, actually, than Ryan, is uh, Vicky, whose daughter Ash is 13 today. I was expecting the worst day, like Kevin the teenager, but so far, so good. So, happy birthday. Vicky used to be in Saudi, but now in uh, Abu Dhabi. Cool. It's too, you see, too hot for me over there. People who actually go on holiday, they send me things back going, uh, you know, you wouldn't like this holiday, would you, because it's too hot. Mr Shah, who's got goods, the, uh, the chemist... He, he came back, he said, he said, I was going to send you a picture to the studio of my holiday. He said, I thought, no, it's Steve. He doesn't do hot places. I don't, actually. And yet, funnily enough, grew up in hot countries. Two years in Hong Kong, running around looking like a little brown berry, you know, was, was sort of nice. But, I mean, I couldn't possibly do it now. I, I mean, I really couldn't. I, I just get, it's so bad. So I, I get ill thinking about it. Funny that, isn't it? Funny when you sort of grow up in a place. And, you know, we, we thought nothing of sort of running around on the beach in our little speedos. 
I was only young. Uh, wait a minute. We got the. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, that's, I think we might have. Uh, we might have got a picture here. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. Thank you. It's pleased everybody. I like that one. Perhaps you could hold your hands up in the air at the same time. Or juggle or something. That'd be a good one to do, don't you think? <laughs> He's over there now going, isn't radio a clever thing? Isn't it strange? There's somebody in Italy and you can message... But I mean, who'd have thought in your own lifetime... We take it for granted, but think of the technology that we have nowadays. We can sit there, you can listen to the radio, we can talk to people around the world, we can catch up with, with people, and then you can sort of talk to somebody. And within seconds... You can get pictures and phones. You can send people things. You can do Skype. You can do anything nowadays. I mean, it's absolutely... It's phenomenal. It is so amazing. And I don't appreciate it half the time. I don't appreciate it. I mean, I should appreciate it, but I don't. Only because when when I kind of started, we didn't have mobile phones. You know, it would not have been possible for Ryan to send me pictures from from Italy at this time of the morning, literally by just taking the picture on the phone and clicking a button. That's, I mean, that's how amazing it is. And it isn't until you sit back and you look at it and you think, God, I mean, I, I was complaining bitterly about my car the other day. And the reason I was complaining about my car is the fact that in my car, I don't have any of the equipment that most of the Priuses that pick me up in the morning have. They've got screens, they've got cameras front and back, they've got everything. They've got touchscreen this. I don't have anything like that in my car. And mine is considered a top-of-the-range luxury car, but it doesn't have that kind of stuff in. It's odd, isn't it, really? I remember renting Mercedes years ago. I came into some money and I thought, I'll, I'll rent, I'll rent uh, Mercedes. And there was nothing in them. You know, rent another car, big car, it doesn't look as impressive as a Mercedes. Night-night, Ryan. Um... And you, and you think to yourself, it's got everything. The sat-navs and all these, all these things that we go, blimey, sat-navs. It's odd, isn't it? It's, it's so strange the way that technology has moved on. I've got all sorts of bits of technology at home. I don't understand how any of it works. I watch Ryan, who uh, he, he does the, I don't know how you, imaging, I suppose you would call it, for one of our sister stations in the building. And he sits there and he's got his, his little studio with his mixing desk and everything else and his screens. And he mixes music, beats and all that. And I just look at it and it just it makes me glaze over. I don't know anything about it at all. I wouldn't even profess to knowing about it. Christo can drive himself in this, in this studio. I, I really can't. And it's, and it's not because my brain won't let me. It's because I just go to pieces. I've only got to look at the equipment in here. I don't know what any of this does at all. I can flip-flop between screens, and I know that in the morning, when Will and, Will and, Will, Will and Grace, Will and Steve are in here, uh, when we finish, the studio downstairs takes over, and I just push three little buttons here, and that makes this studio separate. And then I can, then I can work in the studio and do my recording for my podcast. But if somebody then said to me, um, the studio's collapsed, you've got to drive it from this side, I'd have to look down here and think... I don't actually really understand anything at all. And seriously, that's after all these years. And yet people a third of my age, like Ryan, can just do it as a matter of... I suppose once you've done it, you've done it. I was talking to my friend Will Kisby yesterday, who was driving Nick Ferrari and Andrew Pierce, And he works for another one of our sister stations, but he used to work for LBC. And I said, have you worked this studio downstairs before? And he said, yes. And once you've worked one, apparently, then you can, you can work most studios. It's clever, isn't it? Unfortunately for me... Useless, 
totally useless. I sit here, I've glazed over, even even thinking about it. So where do we get to? Louis Walsh axed. Sad. Sad, because I liked him being on there. What, what worries me now, and what should worry you, is who Simon's going to put in his place. Who can he put in there? What worries me is the race for the Labour leadership. Please, God, it's not going to be David Lammy. As I say, if you thought Russell Brand killed it stone dead, watch the Lammy effect, ladies and gentlemen. Really awful. And uh, Linda Nolan, we'll come around to that one in a moment. My benefit fraud shame. She's tried to do damage limitation. I'm not buying it, although I do feel uh, just a, a smidgen of, uh, of sympathy for her. It's for Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Sunday. It's the 10th of May and um, and I'm here till seven. The reason it's all it's backwards on the timing is the fact that I think everybody, including all the pundits, thought that this election would run for a couple of weeks and there'd be lots of guests and things that'd be changing. Whereas, in fact, it was done and dusted on the Friday. But uh, by that time, we were set in tablets of stone and I, I quite like coming in on a Saturday. At least it, it certainly made me appreciate the fact you can do so much more when you finish at seven in the morning. Anyway, pictures in the, uh, the papers today. They've moved away from the election on the front pages. Uh, instead, out at Thorpe Park with a cameraman is uh, Jacqueline Josser from EastEnders and her ghastly thug of a boyfriend. And that's Dan Osborne, who was dropped from The Only Way is Essex because he's a thug. He's a nasty piece of work. He, uh, uh, They revealed that in tapes that had been made, he threatened his ex-girlfriend, Megan Tomlin, and he threatened her quite violently. He's quite clearly not a very pleasant piece of work at all. And then after that, I think, and after the producers of The Only Way Essex had heard it, they had no choice but to, to get rid of him. It was as uh, simple as that. You, out. Uh, a joke in the paper, I assumed it was a joke, that uh, Bobby Cole Norris, the only gay in the village in Towie, the uh, the really, I mean, known, I think, as Ming the Merciless because of his peculiar facial expressions, apparently might be going out to I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. In other words, there's no work at all, and he's got to do something like that. Rolf Harris is battling to keep his fortune from 20 alleged new sex abuse victims. The women are planning to sue the shamed entertainer in the civil courts. Uh, and so that's, you know, they will then transfer his money to to something else. I don't know, you know, how legal it is or whatever or what, what the due process is. I've got no idea. I think his wife jointly owns his home as well. Uh, they say his companies are worth eight and a half million pounds with 2.3 million in cash. Which is interesting, isn't it? He has a mortgage free home. Uh, at Bray, worth about five million, they say. So that's 13, about 15 million pounds. Uh, I've seen the house. People bought all of his pictures. Are they ever going to be... I mean, what worries me is he's actually a very good artist. I know that doesn't excuse anything. But I'm thinking about all the people who, in good faith, bought his art over the years. Not that you were ever expecting anything like this. Now, I'm assuming, um, it's it's worth nothing. I think there was one shop that was selling his stuff after he was convicted, which then got got vandalised. And you, and you do sort of think there must be loads and loads of people who've actually got pieces of Rolf Harris art hanging on their walls. Um, his, his wife uh, is 82, Bindi is 50, and she said two years ago that inheriting her father's money would be like winning the lottery. It is, uh, depending on whether he's still got it by that time. That's the, that's the big problem. Uh, Mark Wright and his little stag do, Arge, of course, the most boring person under the sun, uh, sitting there with a bottle of water. 
Uh, and Mark Wright, it's, you're going to be seeing these pictures in the colour supplements as well. It's all staged for the cameras, and it's, it's a, a big money deal. Whether you can get away with it again, I don't know. I think perhaps it's a, it's a one-off. Emily Lloyd, you know, she was Trigger's daughter. And uh, there were all sorts of emotional problems that went on with her. She's completely let herself go now. But she's got uh, a partner called Christian. The best thing you can say about him is that he needs his teeth doing. And uh, she's let herself go a little bit. But anyway, she's got a forlorn desire. And no doubt you can read about that in the papers. And here's the girl who is addicted to sunbeds. She uses a sunbed six times every week. Six times every week for 14 minutes each time. She takes tanning pills. Have you seen these? They're carotin. And what it does, it makes the end of your fingers go bright orange because it contains the stuff that's in carrots. And uh, she says, my gran has skin cancer from too much sun, but I will never stop. So I've got a picture of her. To be honest with you, she's um, she's a plump little girl. That's the best you can say about her. And um, she's not... And, I mean, she's got tattoos. got one on her top of her chest. She's got them up her fingers. She's got them on her sort of belly button, up her legs... It's all a bit tacky, actually. Though, luckily, um, people are falling out of love with tattoos. I read a thing the other day, and it said that the young people who originally would have, uh, would have been getting tattoos now aren't getting tattoos. They've decided that they will be with them forever and a day, so they're not going to bother. It's when you see them uh, going up people's necks that you kind of worry. Excuse me. You can't beat a bottle of water. It's made you thirsty now, hasn't it? Always makes every time I hear somebody say that on the radio, and they go, "Oh, I'll just have a bottle of water." I think I'll try and forget about the fact they've said that. And the more you think about it, the better it gets. I love it. Eight four eight five O Steve at LBC dot co dot UK. Elaine, I've just had the most awful night. My brother-in-law passed away at home last night. Been looking after him due to him having cancer, but it was very sudden. Just come to bed to try and get some sleep. Hope it's all been sorted. We had my uh, my brother's wife's mother die on us at Christmas a few years back. We knew she was going to die at Christmas because they told us that she wouldn't see Christmas Day. And I've told you the story before that we were all downstairs on Christmas Eve. And we took it in turns to keep going upstairs to check that, you know, she was still with us. And, um, you know, we'd had the, uh, the Macmillan nurses round and everybody else. And they said, you know, she's not going to see Christmas Day because they know, don't they? They they know that by the state somebody's in. And I went up at one time. My dad had sat up there for a little while. And then I went up and uh, and looked at her because with the, with the cancer, she'd gone to nothing. It was just like a head on, on a pillow. And, and then she did a big, deep breath and that was it. And so I went downstairs. I said, I think she's just passed. And so my dad then went up there and checked and sat with her until the uh, until the doctor arrived. And then we sort of sat there. Also, it kind of leaves you deflated, doesn't it? You know something's going to happen, but you're just not kind of prepared for when it does happen. And so you all sort of sit there and we just sort of stared at the ceiling for a little while. But it's a, it's a terrible time, terrible time for people. I don't, you know, some people, I don't know how they, how they cope with it. Um, did you get on with a quick dash home, says Jamie? Any dramas? No. Rugby fans were in. A lot of places didn't open for the rugby. Uh, they were in there. They were just drunk because they're the army and navy the other thing was they tend not to use the local restaurants they'll use the fish and chip shop and they'll all go out and they were buying from the uh, from the corner shops the crates of beers and stuff like that so they would all go and sit down by the river and drink their crates of beers because they were far too mean 
to go to the pubs and spend their money. A lot did go to the pubs, but a lot did buy their own. And there were people dressed up. We had Oompa Loompas and various other people in different sorts of outfits. Not as many as previous years. My God, there were some uglies out there yesterday. And so... Um, that was quite nice. Got back home, plenty of time yesterday, did some shopping, went and got some bits and pieces and uh, and then just settled back. And then late afternoon, about two, three o'clock, I thought time to, to start getting ready for, for bedtime. Well, not really getting not really getting ready for bedtime, but sort of getting ready. So I had something to eat, watched a bit of telly and then toddled off to bed about half past six, made a few phone calls and uh, then in bed and then zonk out for the count. Got up this morning getting up normally on a on a Sunday I get up about three o'clock this morning one o'clock because I was starting a bit earlier and um and there were still people milling about on the streets I tended to forget that because I'm doing it a bit earlier there's a load more people out there coming to Leicester Square and it's heaving Leicester Square it's like party time down there and you think I'm I'm quite marooned up here I'm quite I'm, I'm stuck in my own little box I'm quite happy I could sit here all morning. Well, at least until seven o'clock, actually. Because breakfast this morning is Stigable. And then James O'Brien is going to be here at, at ten o'clock. So he's going to be doing what we did yesterday on the programme. Because I don't think the situation has changed as regards the election. So he'll be, he'll be waking up shortly going, what the dickens are we going to talk about today? Which is what Nick Ferrari said yesterday when he was talking to Theo Usherwood. And he went down, I think, to Westminster and said, so I'm assuming there's nobody there. And he went, you're absolutely right. He said there's a couple of Sky producers, which I thought was quite, quite sweet. Uh, Charlie Catchpole, writing in the Sunday People Today, says Russell Brand executed a U-turn faster than any grown-up politician and told his millions of Twitter followers they should vote, after all, but to be sure, they backed Labour. Shame that the deadline for registration to vote was two weeks ago. Still, it's the thought that counts, says Charlie. Yes, I think Russell Brand goes back to uh, children's entertainer. And uh, never again ask him his opinion on politics, because quite clearly the man's an idiot. Good news is that uh, broadcaster Clive James is going to be honoured with a special TV BAFTA. He's very uh, ill at the moment. He's got uh, cancer. He's 75. He's too ill to attend the BAFTA awards, but he will be seen being presented with him. It's been pre-recorded. His hit show included The Late Show, Fame in the 20th Century, Review of the Year and Clive James on television. He's been fighting this... uh, leukaemia, kidney failure and emphysema for four years and he's really in, uh, he's in a bad way at the moment but at least they give him a BAFTA and I like that idea I interviewed him many many years ago for LBC on a, a book he'd written about the Bollywood film industry very interesting person, very interesting he was the one who introduced you to Margarita Prakatan do you remember Margarita Prakatan this is a woman who he discovered on a cable network in America and he brought her over and we, we put her on Five's company and uh, she, she used to sing, you know, first I were afraid, I were petrified, nothing I was. She couldn't sing and she couldn't, she couldn't even speak English properly. But she was just very, very funny. And she turned up on everybody's programme, you know, singing these peculiar songs whilst playing an organ. <laughs> oh, dear, honestly. Uh, Carol McGiffin's column. She's our woman on the loose. She certainly is, and she talks about uh, Rio Ferdinand's wife, Rebecca, who died from breast cancer at the age of just 34. It goes to prove we just, we, you know, we can put a man on the moon, we can do all sorts of things, and yet we cannot cure cancer at the moment. We can, we can catch it if it's early enough, but the chances are it's going to pop up at some point later on. She says uh, Rebecca died the day before the screening of The Sea Word, starring Sheridan Smith, which told the story of a journalist and blogger 
Lisa Lynch, who died two years ago, aged 33, from the same disease. Most uh, of these sort of cases highlight the importance of early detection. But sadly, she writes, young women such as these must still rely on self-checking. I found my lump whilst in the shower, despite being old enough for mammogram screening. Until the screening age is lowered from 50 or 47 in some trial areas, it's up to younger women to check. So please make sure you check, she says, today. Because the earlier something is caught... The, uh, the quicker they can do something about it. And the same for men. Exactly the same for men. You know, checking for, for the biggest killer of men, which is bowel cancer and testicular cancer. And it's just a matter of checking. That's all it has to be. It's, it's not difficult. Do it in the shower. When, you know, it's a warm shower. Always works better than if it's cold. Doesn't quite work the same way if it's cold. But if it's, if it's warm, it works better. And women should check. And if you think there's something wrong, you go to the doctor. I can't help impressing on people going to the doctor. I had to push a friend of mine the other day. Go to the doctor. Go and find a doctor. Oh, I was going to tell you about the chips, wasn't I? The chip story. I must tell you about the chip story. Because, you know, it annoyed me so much. It really, really did annoy me. It's something so stupid and so silly. But it annoyed me sufficiently to take action. And I'll tell you what that is after this. Quarter to five. Steve Allen. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Sunday. It's the 10th of May. It's nice to have your company this morning. I hope you're well. If you're lying there thinking, I really want to go to sleep, but you can't quite go to sleep, well, then you're especially welcome. I don't like people sleeping when this programme's on. I think it's rude. Very rude. Especially if people sort of write in. Very interesting, actually. Tony says, your reverence for modern technology is misplaced. It's mostly consumer rubbish produced for pennies and sold for pounds. Long live capitalism, as he writes in on his mobile phone. Yes, I mean, see how far you go with your tobacco tin and a piece of string. You use uh, computers, you use phones, you use everything. I couldn't care less whether it's produced for pennies and sold for pounds. If you were clever enough to have thought of it, well then, fair enough. I felt a bit sorry for Prince Harry as he goes round doing another PR exercise of Harry, you know, sort of kisses a load of women. And, uh, and, you know, and just does his sort of usual thing whilst wearing medals. Where he's got those from, I've got no idea. Perhaps I've got a box or something at Buckingham Palace. And then, you know, people going, oh, Harry, will you marry me? Don't be silly. He will get married eventually, but I think he's, at the moment he's going to be the bachelor party boy going out there. It's all very sweet, but frankly, it's not exactly doing anything for the country. Not it. Anyway, so every time we have rugby in Twickenham, something happens. And the something that happens is that a lot of the fast food places make smaller portions. I know, because there was a fish and chip shop down uh, the road, which was down in, Isle, uh, down in Isleworth, on the way to Isleworth. And uh, on rugby days, they did smaller fish portions. Same price, but smaller fish portions. So yesterday, there's a, there's a, a fish and chip shop. It's opposite uh, a new... Uh, well, it's sort of next door to the Wimpy, as was, which is now called Steers. And we've been in there loads of times. I've been in there and I've bought chips for Paul Cooper and, uh, and John and, and Al and Mandy and everybody else who works in the greengrocer. Because for two quid, you get a box full of chips. I mean a box full of chips. Seriously, it's enough for... It would, it would last a good 10, 20 minutes easily. So I thought yesterday I was out getting some... Uh, this foot foam, and I've forgotten the name of it again, I'm afraid. Um, although I will actually better find it. I'm sure I can find it this morning. And, um, and I thought, on the way back, I'll get them some chips. Because it was a bit overcast. We hadn't quite hit the sunshine. So I went into the fish uh, and chip shop, and I said, uh, have a large, um, large portion of chips, please. So she looks at me, and uh, she puts in the box these chips. And I thought, where, where are the chips? 
It was seriously the smallest portion of chips I've ever seen. I didn't say anything. I just looked at them. Normally, if you if you go in there during the week, you get your chips. She wraps them in paper and then puts them in a bag. Nothing this time. She just gave me the box. Rude woman. And I got round to the to the uh, to Paul Cooper, and I said, "I've just bought. This is a large portion of chips." And they went, "Where?" I went, "Exactly, exactly." They're quite clearly ripping off locals and thinking that we're all rugby fans. Admittedly, I probably looked like a rugby fan because I had my sort of anorak thing on. She probably thought I was a rugby fan, so thought it was quite easy to rip me off. Well, I'm telling you now, darling, we shan't be buying anything else from you again in the fish and chip shop. Absolutely outrageous, outrageous. Right next to the bank is the fish and chip shop. I think it's the, used to be called the Midland. What do they call it now? I've got no idea. HSBC, it could be. Anyway, I thought, what a rip-off. You want to do that to the rugby fans? You do that. Don't do it to people who you rely on during the week, because you've lost me as a customer. Dreadful people. It drives me mad. Drives me mad. Uh, Ian says the Tories could use the David Lammy video in the election broadcast the next time. You know, the late, you know, the, you, you could put the slogan, your next prime minister, and have David Lammy on Mastermind. With all these little clips of David not knowing a thing. Didn't know anything. Pass. 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 That's, you could have that. It could be hilarious. So, it's, uh, you know, let's, let's sort of put it in context. Not that it's not that we're making it up. Uh, it's not that we're making it up. Uh, it's foot foam, Bob. It's foot foam. And I can't remember what it's called. Somebody did tell me the other day. It's a new one. It's quite expensive. It's about £10, I think, for a, for a can of this uh, foam for diabetics uh, for your feet. And it's for dry feet or extra dry feet. And it's a lot easier to apply than cream. You just sort of do a dollop of... It's like doing sort of instant cream, you know, whipped cream in the can. It's a similar kind of thing and uh, works just as well. <laughs> well, it seemed to work yesterday. I put it on yesterday and I quite liked it, actually. Quite liked it. So uh, I'll let you know if it, if it works. And then uh, Sally says, I'm in awe of you. Well, many people are. Many people are. I think mainly it's, it's misplaced. She says, how do you talk for hours on end whilst perusing the emails and also, also the, uh, the text messages? She said, other LBC presenters at least have some respite when listeners phone in. Yes, I mean, my, my forte is being able to talk for two and a half hours with a set of... You know, I've always said, give me a set of papers. I could sit here for five hours. That's not an indication, incidentally, that we're going to be losing Christo anytime soon and I'll be sitting here doing the papers. But uh, that's what I learnt. And I've been doing it for a long time, so it's, it's no hardship for me. Although, you know, some people might find it difficult. You could probably say to some presenters, sit there. I mean, I could tell you about a presenter I did hear of who, when the phone lines went down, went, what am I supposed to do now? And somebody said, talk, which is what my boss said to me donkeys years ago. When I said, what happens if we don't get any phone calls? And he said, well, you talk. I said, about what? He said, that's your business. He said, you're a radio presenter. Remember, I hated that slogan the other day, personality presenter. I absolutely loathe that. I haven't changed my opinion. I still don't like it. I still don't like the idea of personality presenters. I think you're either a radio presenter or, or you're not. Uh, John says, uh, I'm honestly thinking of cutting my stylophone from my act. I just feel a bit uncomfortable with it now. Uh, yes, but they've been made again, though, haven't they? Isn't, isn't there another company making stylophones? I think he was the first person to... Uh, to sort of start using it, Rolf Harris, commercially. And then people went and got one. You can still buy them. They they do exist, but they're a modern-day version. Uh, I've just watched a film, Hooligan Factory. It wasn't very good, but uh, Chloe Dimwit Sims was on it for a breath minute and got run over by a van. Oh, bit of a shame. I didn't even know she was still around, really. She doesn't really be... Uh, 
She doesn't really feature in my life anymore, Chloe. In fact, nobody from The Only Way Is Essex does. Ever since, as a joke, we were offered Lydia Dim as a guest for In Conversation, I said, no, we want people who can string two words together. It needs to be somebody like that. It's got to be somebody who is as, as entertaining as they can be, and I don't think she's entertaining. You know, being entertaining, not quite good enough. Uh, 84850, steve at Um Another one here. Which says, uh, oh yeah, the fish and chip shop story sounds fishy to me. I just felt cheated. I thought, as a local person, you know, somebody who they rely on, well, never again. Never again. Uh, You say you've got a problem with your studio console, says Dennis. Well, if you work at it, you'll soon get the hang of it. You just need to build up self-confidence. It's not so many years ago I wouldn't dare go inside a computer or laptop. Now I build and repair them. A friend showed me the basics and I got more than a little help from Google. Says, have you ever been inside Abbey Road Studios? I suspect maybe you have, knowing you. But if not, when you get a minute, click the link and take the... I've done the the virtual tour, so you were right. There's a mixer desk in there akin to something you might find at Clapham Junction Signal Box. Oh, I I could show you pictures of the LBC Studios going back 35 years, whereby you look at it and you think, good grief. Most of them ended up in hospital radio stations. Because they, the hospital radio stations were a bit further back in, in terms of technology. And uh, LBC had some quite, some quite good studios. So over the years, people, things have been cannibalised or sold on to other people. But now when they come in, they literally take a room. And this it's funny, I wish I'd taken pictures of what this studio used to look like before. Because it was a number of rooms. And then they turn it into a studio. I mean, it's, it's quite remarkable. I mean, you've seen the pictures of the one downstairs. Because uh, it's easier over the weekend for us to be up here because I think Nick Abbott likes to be a little bit more enclosed. So we all tend to follow suit. If I want to go downstairs, I can go downstairs. It just means that Chrissy's got to sort of run around all over the place. And, you know, she's not really keen on running around at this time of the morning. You know, when you've been here a long hours, you know, you don't want to start rushing around up and down the stairs. But it is, it is possible to do it. It is possible. But I think, you know, if you're doing a programme like Nick Abbott's, he likes it to be fairly intimate. And the other studio downstairs is absolutely enormous. Uh, weather for today, I shall give you in a moment. But uh, Noreen says, we watch most of the VE Day, a party to remember from Horse Guards Parade. Excellent. You'll love it if you get to see it. I think Neil will have something to tell you about it. Oh, don't tell me Kevin the Milkman turns up in there. Don't, don't tell me that. I couldn't bear that. Can you imagine if, if he turns up? <laughs> that would be actually quite, quite funny. Somebody you know. <laughs> 84850, uk. More from the Sunday papers at the moment. And um, another one here, Marisa, I can't tell you. Jim says, uh, please work every Sunday. I do work every Sunday. What are you talking about? I'm always here on a Sunday. I've been here on a Sunday for the past God knows how long. Ages and ages. It's just that today I'm starting a little bit earlier and I don't have my uh, in-conversation programme, so it's not this evening. Instead, we'll have it next week, and uh, it's, it's, it's a good one. I promise you it's a good one. Hotel Inspector is back on the television. Have you ever seen it? I do like it. This is, this is where uh, Alex Polizzi goes into a hotel and tells them where they're going wrong. The reason that the hotel is collapsing is because of this, this, this and this. And these people argue with her for 60 minutes. The whole 60 minutes they argue. And and you think to yourself, the reason your hotel is going down the swanee is because of your ignorance. You've called in a woman who is known for turning businesses 
around. Most of the businesses she can turn around, provided you follow the advice. If you want to do your own thing, then you deserve everything you get. I mean, it's still, a, it's still an interesting programme. Still an interesting one, because it's, it's just watching the ignorant and the blind who are sitting there not, not taking anything in. I remember once there was a father and son, and the father would go, oh, like that. And he was in a little motorised, you know, scooter thing, tootling about all over the place, which was lovely. But he just didn't take a blind bit of notice. No, 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 our people want this. Well, they don't. You know, when you call in Anne-Marie, the house doctor, I love watching that programme because she knows what she's doing. She goes in and it's somebody who's, who's gone to them and says, listen, my house hasn't sold. There was one woman. She had umpteen dogs and everything else. And Anne-Marie, when she walked in, she went, it smells of dog. You know, if, you, if you've got dogs, you can't, you can't smell them. But she said, it smells of dogs, so we've got to change it. And the woman wouldn't have it. And it also, it was a horrible house. It was just, she, you know, this woman didn't have any sense of style or anything at all. And so Anne-Marie started changing. This woman was arguing with her. No, I don't, I'm not losing that. No, we're not losing the rabbits from the front room. And Anne-Marie is saying, listen, it's not selling. Eventually, she got her own way. And people came in to look at the house. But after Anne-Marie had, had moved out, this woman starts moving all her rubbish back in again. I mean, she was quite clearly too stupid. You know, but they, these people should be charged. Because it seems a pointless exercise. You call somebody in and then, and then you don't take their advice. And yet she's the, the expert. So when you call in the hotel inspector, she's telling you why you've got no business. She's telling you why your place is falling apart. And the reason it's falling apart is because you've, you've let it go to pieces. And so she's there to help you. She's not there to be a hindrance. She's not there to be difficult. She's there to make sure that you can make some money. And that's exactly how it works. But they don't... Some of these people are so blind. They don't see it. Oh, good news! Sorry to... I don't like bringing you too much good news, but... Uh, Kelly Brook is stunned. Difficult to tell when you look at her. She wouldn't really have that kind of look on her face. They've axed her comedy series in America. As indeed we predicted they would do, ladies and gentlemen. We did say that it was so disastrous. Uh, Kelly's not at all... She's not... Sorry, I'm laughing. She's, uh, she's not at all happy about it being axed. Uh, she put her heart and soul into it. Yes, it's a shame there wasn't any acting ability. No good putting your heart and soul in, dear, because it's got to uh, it's got to sell to the American public, and the American public didn't like it at all. Didn't like it. Good news for Talisa. I'll tell you about that one as well. And uh, Tony Blair tells Labour it must return to the political centre ground to win again. I mean, you'd think they could get it right by now, wouldn't you? Oh, and Prince Harry's been greeted by crowds in New Zealand. He's been rubbing noses. Makes a change, doesn't it? It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. On FM, online, on your mobile and on digital radio. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Sunday. It's the 10th of May. It's Steve Allen's early, early breakfast. I finish at 7 o'clock this morning as opposed to 8, and we started at 4. Getting the hang of it so far? Who next to lead the Labour Party? Uh, I like the idea that if David Lammy goes for it, they can use the slogan, and you're going to vote for this man after his appearance on the Celebrity Mastermind programme, in which he knew absolutely nothing. Uh, girl addicted to sunbeds, Louis Walsh axed, blend it like Auntie uh, Pippa. 
It's apparently some new diet thing that uh, Pippa Middleton's going to be writing. Really exciting. Lewis Hamilton's still no sense of fashion. Uh, the VE Day celebrations continue. And uh, Linda Nolan, my benefit fraud shame. That's now. I couldn't believe it when I saw it. Somebody sent it to me last night. They said, you'll like this story, Steve. And, um, and I did. I've, I'm, you can make up your own mind. I'm not going to influence you on this, but you know how anti-benefit fraud I am. Every opportunity I get to name and shame benefit fraudsters because they ruin it for everybody else. It's quite clear cut as that. And Lyndon Nolan is going to appear in court on a £12,000 benefit fraud uh, shame. And uh, she says here she's already done interviews. She's wasted no time at all in, uh, in going to the newspapers. She's wasted no time at all in, uh, in going on television and talking about it. I mean, it's just, it's really quite uh, awful. And so here she is. She says, call me stupid or ignorant, but please don't call me dishonest. I'm sorry, you're dishonest. That's why you're up on benefit fraud. What is it about the word fraud you don't understand? Let me just explain to you how the story runs in the paper today. They've done a page in the Sunday Mirror. She said, I feel embarrassed and ashamed and I can't help but think people will be looking at me thinking I'm a cheat. Yes, I I think that was a fair representation. She says, I'm not a benefit scrounger, a liar, a thief or a cheat. I made a simple mistake, that's it, and I'm devastated about it. I want to hold my hands up and say I'm sorry. I've started to pay it back. I will pay it back in full. Uh, What she'd done is she was was claiming um, all sorts of benefits... Um, see, the the trouble is, where you have to try and get this story right in your head is, as far as I'm concerned, it's got nothing to do with the fact that, you know, her her husband died, her sister Bernie, uh, she lost two years ago, uh, or anything else like that. It's to do with looking after yourself. You know, it was terribly sad that her husband, Brian... Uh, died of skin cancer. That was awful. It was awful that her her sister died as well. But uh, she got sent this letter. She began claiming benefits in 2008. Okay. Um, She says she first began claiming them because they were a lifeline. She found herself unable to return to the stage when she lost her husband of 27 years. She got housing benefit, council tax relief... And a disability allowance. I don't know what disability she's got, but she was on it. She says, I had no money coming in and benefits saved my life. People talk about benefits scroungers, but that's not always the case. They helped me to continue to live and to be able to support myself. Well, yeah, no, we were supporting you. You weren't supporting yourself. We were supporting you. I paid taxes all my life. And these are there for people like me who are down on their uppers. So since 2008, um, she hasn't been working. Even though she went on a reunion tour with the Nolans in 2009, she did Celebrity Big Brother. She's not claimed any benefits since she appeared on the show. She says, the minute I got working, I immediately stopped the benefits. However, she was doing a newspaper column, little jobs here and there, and uh, she wasn't declaring them. So uh, she was means tested. She said, I was interviewed twice last June. Had to go down the council offices with my solicitor, and it was just terrifying. When I was told at the first interview I was under caution... And if it was taken to court, could be used against me. I thought, oh, God, I watch TV programmes like this. They told me uh, it was about the interviews I'd gone to London for. I was asked to do a problem page for a magazine. Did it on my laptop. He said, it doesn't really matter. Whatever it is, it's 12 grand that she took that she wasn't entitled to. 
So uh, she said, I'm going to pay it back. Now, what she's going to do with this one, you know, whether whether she was stupid or ignorant, I don't know. It's certainly dishonest. You would remember something like that. If you've got money coming in and you're not declaring that your circumstances have changed, that's dishonest. It doesn't matter which way you interpret it. It doesn't matter whether or not she's Linda Nolan or whether she's Linda Nobody. It doesn't make any difference. The only reason that the papers are interested is because she's Linda Nolan. That's the only reason. But it could be anybody. There's probably other people out there doing exactly the same thing. And so here she said she doesn't want to think about her day in court. No, I bet you don't. Of course you don't. You know, now whether or not the the courts are going to look kindly on it, I don't know. She says, I've never broken the law before. I know. Well, well, loads of people are like that. Loads of people have never done it. And they also get themselves into into this mess. She said, I'm not making excuses. Um... I think you kind of are, a little bit. She doesn't expect her fame to help. She said, I'm not asking for for special treatment because I'm well known. I'm not off on holiday. I'm not drinking champagne. I live in rented accommodation because times have been tough. It's a little house in Blackpool. The money went on food and bills. You see, out of all the years that she was working as a Nolan, they must have made something, mustn't they? Don't you think they must have made something? So she's now living in a rented house in Blackpool. She's got no husband. And she needed the benefits. So in a way, you can say that's what the benefits are there for. However, the court action means that she's a fraudster. They say she's taken the money dishonestly. She's saying, I needed it to exist. I needed it to live. What was I supposed to do? Hang myself? That's what she thought about. She thought about suicide. My argument is that she's got sisters. You know, she, she could have actually gone to the sister and said, listen, Collie, I mean, I don't, I don't think they talk to each other. I really don't. I think, I think they're, they're just one of those families that they've all grown apart. Colleen, who was the least talented, then sort of put herself forward as if she was the lead singer of the Nolan. She never was. She never featured on anything, I don't think. If memory serves, I don't think so. I mean, she could have helped her out. Couldn't her sister have gone to her? Embarrassing for the family. Now to go, oh, my God. Why? But I can imagine what Colleen's like. And I can imagine if she turns up on Loose Women tomorrow that they're going to be saying about Linda. You'll probably find that Linda will feature on Loose Women tomorrow. That'd be the sort of thing Martin Frizzell would probably like to do. Because that'd be good. That, that was how you would do damage limitation. But it means that she's got to come all the way down from Blackpool, which I think is where Colleen lives. I think Colleen lives in Blackpool. Why didn't she know about it? Why didn't Colleen offer to help? Aren't, aren't they that sort of family? Aren't they as close as we want them to be? It's all very tragic. But either way, it's now got her on the front pages of the papers and people are going to be shouting benefit fraudster at her, aren't they? That's what's going to happen. It's, it's, a, it's a tragic case. It's tragic. But yet you think she does have a family. She does have a family that, in theory, could help her. Are they all in that financial situation? I mean, where did it all go wrong? She had a husband. Presumably he worked. Terrible, really, isn't it? Terrible. Jimmy Greaves has received 50,000 messages of support. That's nice, isn't it? We didn't want him to die. He's 75. He's now uh, awake and he's aware of where he is, which is good news. They're going to do a big send-off for Deirdre Barlow. Uh, I, know, I know we've done it in real life, but they're going to do it on the, on the programme. Viewers will see Tracy Barlow fall for ex-husband Robert, played by Tristan Gemmell, after he shows up at Deirdre's funeral. But uh, what Tracy doesn't know is that Robert, who she wed in 96, is still married to his second wife. It's peculiar, isn't it? 
Very, very peculiar. Uh, talking of peculiar, a picture in the paper today of, uh, in fact, in a lot of the papers, of Prince Harry just basically larking around, you know, rubbing noses with people and charming them and doing all that kind of stuff. But I don't really know what it's there for. I don't quite understand what the purpose is. I mean, he's very nice, he's very charming. He can be very drunk and very offensive at times. He can be all sorts of things, but I don't quite understand what this is about. I thought he was going over to do something sensible. I suppose to stand there on a beach watching people going out on a boat over the waves. And then he came back to this country, did a couple of things here. It's basically a bit of a charmed existence where he doesn't really do anything. He's turning into a bit of a Prince Andrew. You know, here he is, here's Prince Harry again, and he's doing nothing. You know, lots of people are going, oh, you know, we want to marry you and marry you. And he's thinking, oh, I'd love to take you home. You'd be impressive. Because that's what I think he's like. That's what I think he's like. I think he likes the girls, he likes his booze, he likes his, uh, his mates, and he, uh, and he just wants to sort of get on with it, I suppose. But he's, he's getting on in life, isn't he, now? He's 30. He's 30, he really needs to sort of settle down. A bit like Jerry Halliwell, who celebrated her hen party ahead of Friday's wedding. I'm still debating whether to go and gate crash. I could get it. I could take the car in. Nobody would know the difference, would they? If I turn up in my car, people would think it's a wedding. i put some white ribbon on. And then I could go down and gatecrash the wedding at Zion House and just take some sneaky pictures of the guests. I could just go and wait there, couldn't I, by the entrance, take some pictures. Excuse me. I think that'd be quite funny, really. I could wave at her. Hi! Anyway, it's a picture of a hen party. And I'm looking at the pictures of people... No idea who they are. Not a clue. Not a clue who these people are. Presumably, these are her friends. But they don't seem to be people that anybody knows. So she's obviously got no celebrity friends. And yet she's been out with a load of celebrities, hasn't she? She's had sort of, uh, she's sort of, she's been around the block quite a few times. But she's, she had uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of them. Which was lovely. Which was nice. But they, so they all look a bit too old to be going out doing one of these, like, like Michelle Keegan's people. Where they, they went off to Dubai or something, all in little t-shirts. Unfortunately, Jerry Halliwell's just looked like yummy mummies. Who've wandered in from the local Starbucks. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Last night, says uh, Margaret, the celebrations were fantastic. The music was very good. I would love uh, if there was a DVD. I don't know if there is, actually. Somebody might bring one out. They they bring one out for everything else. I see no reason why there shouldn't be uh, a DVD for that. People like that sort of thing, don't they? Being patriotic and being there to make sure that we, you know, we sort of remember all of the... uh, all of the older people, the older generation. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Jerry says, I, I went to the doctor, I'm diabetic. Uh, feeling tired, blood sugar was 24. Oh, blimey, near death, I should imagine. He says, why do you need to put foam on your feet? Well, it's like a foot cream. It's like a foot cream. You can buy lots of foot creams now. And um, and it's it's nice. You just put it on there, you look after your feet. You don't want your feet to go all pear-shaped, do you? Otherwise, you're in big trouble. And uh, and Richard says, you might like to know that tonight on ITV, an episode of Celebrity Squares featuring as a celebrity the legendary Laura Whitmore. Who? This is the non-existent Laura Whitmore. This is this poor girl who they tout around all over the place as being some sort of celebrity. And yet all she appears to do is turn up to parties. Hardly a celebrity. Only in her own tiny, teeny little mind. Quarter past five. Steve Allen on LBC. 
you know, if ever there was any doubt in your mind about the uh, the fighter power of Russia, look at their parades taking place in uh, in Red Square. It's like a heart back to the 70s, as far as I'm concerned, where they fly in helicopters and they've got all the troops are out there and, you know, everybody's looking pristine and the guns are in it. So I mean, it's quite a big military power show-off, isn't it, really? It's a case of showing to everybody, including themselves, this is what we've got. Uh, other stories in the papers for today. Uh, what was this one here? Oh, this is uh, William's gift to Charlotte and George, a magical childhood home like Diana's. Because uh, Diana uh, grew up in Park House, which was on the Sandringham Estate, the Queen's Country home, which is three miles from Anne Mahal, Kate and William's home, where Diana played as a child. And so that's why they chose Norfolk. And uh, he still thinks about his mum, which you would do, wouldn't you? I can't see any... I don't know why they keep going on about it in the papers, saying, you know, so William's still still talking about his um, his mum. And you think, well, of course she died tragically. Good God, he was only a little boy. You know, he should be knowing about things like that. But uh, but it, I just I just think it's a bit sad, really, that they... They they sort of constantly pick on him. He can't actually do anything right. There's nothing that he can do right at all. He does he does do his best, but uh, sometimes it's not not enough, is it? It's not enough. And I think we really want more, don't we? We want more out of him, and we want more more. F- I don't know what more you can possibly have. I really don't know how much more you can have at all from him and the family. But they're you know they they do well. They do well, and they seem to be fairly happy. I think what he wants is a private life, don't you? I think he wants a private life now, and he just uh, he, he wants to sort of opt out, whereas Harry, I think, enjoys all of the the limelight, and Harry enjoys the, the, the photographs and everything else. William, I think, looks on it more as a duty, and it's something that he has to do, and so I suppose being in Norfolk, which is near where he works, they'll have a, a quiet life. Well, I say a quiet life in a 13-room mansion, with, uh, with all the staff. Uh, VE Day Britain parties like it's uh, 1945. People in Dudley. I didn't notice anything like this around my way at all. It kind of sort of bypassed us a little bit. We have had street parties before. Uh, Putin's way of celebrating uh, VE Day is to put on this chilling display of military might. There was everything there, you know, including uh, the, uh, the tanks and, uh, and just about everything. Just about everything. The news agency Sputnik said the state-of-the-art tank, which is this new one, has a remote-controlled turret, automatic loading system and protective armoured capsules. I mean, just... I mean, really, I haven't seen anything like this in Red Square for ages and ages. Uh, Kelly Brook. Apparently seen her dreams of American stardom go up in smoke. Well, I mean, I never thought she was. I never thought she was going to be a star. She gets loads of coverage. In the newspapers, I mean, almost on a daily basis. I think it was almost, it's almost as much as the Beckhams, if not more. You know, she's only got to go outside and sneeze a couple of times and somebody takes a picture. But uh, as regarding her acting ability, the American public are very unforgiving. They're very unforgiving and their TV critics are even more unforgiving. You think our TV critics can be harsh. They're pussycats compared to America. Once somebody in America and TV criticism world has lambasted something for, for whatever it is, that's it. People switch off in droves. Nobody wants to watch a failure. Uh, Kelly Brook was uh, touted as Britain's uh, Sofia Vergara, which is a reference to the Colombian bombshell star of the comedy Modern Family. Uh, but it's it's the ratings. That's what it comes down to. The Americans are very much geared to ratings. In other words, you uh, you make a program in America. It can be the same on the on Broadway. 
You do a show, if you get bad reviews, you don't bother opening the next night. There's no point because you'll be throwing good money after bad. The idea is cut your losses as quick as possible. Over here, they're a bit more forgiving. The critics give it a bit of a mauling and the, the staff soldier on and the cast soldier on and sometimes somebody will pick it up and go, actually, do you know, I went to see it the other day and it's not that bad. I've been to see shows like that. City of Angels was a classic example of something that I saw and I liked, although it was so cleverly put together. To, together. The critics mauled it. And they went to post the notices and people started taking notice of, you know, people on the radio and in the television going, well, actually, you should really go and see it. It's a good it's a good piece. They went to see it. The blooming, you know, we are closing notices came down and it carried on for about another year. In the case of uh, of Kelly, she's been associated with a flop. And I don't think you can then go to something else after that's happened. I think once you've been associated with a flop, then it kind of follows you through. She needs to sort of go somewhere else. Where? I've got no idea. No idea at all. But uh, she'll be having pictures and she's shocked by... She shouldn't be shocked. The ratings were disastrous. We told you that the ratings were so awful before. She, she must have seen the writing was on the wall. And she she must have been pre-warned about it, saying, listen, they are thinking. They do keep them informed. They don't just do things overnight. They don't just go, right, that's it, it's Axe. They would have had lots and lots of meetings. Uh, so the, uh, the Cotswold con woman is in the paper today. She looked perfect. The ad was in The Lady magazine. Uh, she had uh, charming manners, immaculate references. But unfortunately, she was just a common old tea leaf. Yes, she was a common thief. Uh, Emily Todhunter was looking for a housekeeper to help look after her beautiful Queen Anne mansion in Wiltshire. So she turned to the Lady magazine, spotted an advertisement offering the service of Kimberly Roberts Watson, who seemed to be a charming woman, had excellent references. She was also known to one of Emily's friends. She had no hesitation in taking her on. Little did she know that Roberts was, in fact, a prolific con woman and a thief with a 30-year criminal career. That's what she did. I've told you, don't ever believe these double-barrelled names. It generally, in a lot of cases, uh, indicates chav. And so, so convincing was Roberts that Emily never realised that her housekeeper was responsible for stealing her car, uh, a £40,000 Volvo, finally arrested two years later, this time for the theft of half a million pounds worth of art and antiques. Anyway, she was still driving the stolen Volvo. That's what she is. She's a career criminal. She latches on to people with money. And uh, she takes their, their belongings. She's mad, bad and dangerous to know, they said. But it was a Picasso self-portrait. Anyway, it's all been... Uh, we think it's been uh, recovered. Anyway, she's, uh, she's, uh, she's in prison now. So there she is in the papers today. Uh, also, the, uh, the Prince Harry bandwagon rumbles on. I say rumbles on because it's it's Prince Harry and a fleet of photographers designed to get as many good pictures of saying Harry is a wonderful person and he's loved by everybody around the world and he's great and, you know, and, and, and. There is no and. We don't know what else there is about Harry they could sell us. So he can rub noses with somebody attractive. That's great. But he's always been able to do that. And he's been out there and he's flying the flag for Harry. I suppose because you don't want him to to sort of get a little bit you know, miffed about the fact that Will's, William gets all the coverage. So, um, so that's why, really. You know a woman called uh, Camille Donatacci? Uh, the reason you would know her is because if you've watched the Housewives of wherever it is, I think it's Beverly Hills, uh, she features on there. She's got a lovely house. She should have. Um, she's worth 30 million. 
That's what she got from Kelsey Grammer. She married Kelsey Grammer. He's, he's been on, you know, the end of a number of people. He was earning a million dollars an episode of Frasier. A million dollars an episode. Look, a million dollars. That's just like, wow. A million dollars. Even with the time you've taken off the agent's fee, doesn't take you long to save up for a $10 million house, does it really? We're only going to do 10 programmes, take out a big mortgage, and then sort of pay that off. But anyway, um, he was married to her. She features on The Housewives of Beverly Hills, which is full of a lot of rich women who look like they're Botoxed up to the hilt. And they're very entertaining. It's very entertaining. Some you like, some you don't like. But anyway, he's now found uh, a stewardess, a virgin stewardess. That's not virgin as in... Virgo intact her. This is, she works for Virgin. And uh, she comes from Bristol. Well, somebody's got to. And so she saved him from his sexless marriage to the bunny girl. The bunny girl is uh, is Camille. She was the uh, the sexless one, apparently. They just held hands. <laughs> Seems fair enough to me. Want to make it any more messy than that, do we? Let's face it. And so he's now settled down. But I think Camille got the house. And the house is something else. I mean, it, it really is. When I first saw it on the on the telly, I thought... Blimey, what do you have to do to get that? What do you have to do to get a house like that? This place was like... And there's another woman on there, the English woman. She's, she's got a house. It's like going into a hotel. It's all marble. Marble floors, marble entrance hall, marble kitchens. It's stunning. Seriously. I mean, over there, you get a lot... You know, If you were spending, say, hypothetically, $20 million, you would be getting a place to die for. You would absolutely be getting a place to die for. You know, really a fantastic place. Over here, 20 million quid in London. Two-bedroom flat. Two-bedroom flat. Seriously, Knightsbridge. They did a one-bedroom flat for 10 million. So I'm assuming two bedrooms must come in at 20 million. But over there, you get a load for your money. But it's only worth, after you sell it, the same amount of money. It doesn't, it doesn't change. The American housing market is not as exciting as our one here. Our one goes up and down like a proverbial yo-yo. And it's always very interesting. Over there, but they do have the most beautiful places. But all you can do is go out, lunch drive your car around, go and play tennis, have your masseuse over, and uh, then have your hair done, your makeup done, and then you go to bed. And then you wake up, and then you do the, the same thing the next day. And you have your own chef in, who's actually cooking your, your breakfast for you, making sure you're eating healthily. And that's all they do. I mean, look, it's a lovely lifestyle, and they've got the weather, and it's great, but to be honest with you, not for me. The house is beautiful. The house, if you could transfer the people who built that house over to here and say, right, I bought a plot of land. Can you build me that with all this marble? It would cost you a fortune in this country. You could spend 60 million easily having a place like that. I mean, some people do have them. They are lovely. I know there are blocks of flats in in London which are absolutely incredible, absolutely incredible. And they do have the marble entrance halls, but they're not half as impressive as these places in Beverly Hills, which is, you know, chandeliers like 30 foot long. I mean, really, the most incredible places, manicured gardens. And you look at it and you think, wow, it's like living on a film set. Aaron Spelling's house, I think, had over 100 rooms. And it was bought by one of the Eccleston girls. I think, she, I think she's trying to offload it at the moment. But I think she bought it. I think Petra Eccleston might have bought it. Absolutely phenomenal. You know, this place had parking underneath for something like 60 cars in the garage. I mean, that's like building an underground car park. Absolutely unbelievable. It's the sort of thing that, that you look at and you think, how much would that cost to build? And the answer is about a hundred million. I think that, that that's actually what it what it sort of ended up going for when Petra was I think originally it was 120 million when Petra was uh, looking at it. And you think to yourself, Wow, Rao <laughs> I, could, I could I could live in a place like that and lose myself 
in a place like that. Still to come, TV drama's ghost rap wasn't human, and the perverted secrets of the clockmaker. All roads lead back to Jimmy Savile. That'll be coming up very shortly. LBC News time. It's a little bit earlier than normal. Is he, is he ready to go early, do you think, this morning? Do you think he might be? I wonder if he's early this morning. I just, I only ask. He is ready. Thank goodness for that. It's LBC News time at 5... Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Sunday morning. It's the 10th of May. Is it really the 10th of May? Is it really April, May, June, July, August, September, October, Christmas? That's how it works. So, uh, should we start singing carols today? Maybe not. Jerry says, at the least, Linda Nolan is guilty of being stupid. She probably never realised the few bobs she was earning from the magazines would show up on some tax documents lodged by the magazine's accounts with the authorities at some stage. She probably thought, because if she kept stum about it on her her, uh, side of it, nobody would know. Even if she was unsure about the benefits, which I don't buy, she had to have known there was tax due on the earnings. She kept quiet. Guilty. Yes, I mean, I suppose you could look... I mean, I'm... I'm not defending her. What I'm saying is she was in a bad stage in her life. She didn't have any work coming in. She had no money coming in. Quite clearly, her and her husband had no insurance policies or life savings or anything like that, which you're supposed to have to sort of see you through the next little bit of your life. She didn't have anything like that. And so for that reason, I can understand why she did it. At the end of the day, though, as I said, it doesn't matter whether she's Linda Nolan. She's just another person who takes something that they're not entitled to. I don't quite know where, where the disability benefit comes in. But, but it is true. I mean, I'm in a business where... It's only, in, it's only in a cash business where you can defraud the tax man. I can't defraud the tax man. I'm in a business where everything is declared. I send an invoice in to the company that employ me. They send me the money back. I'm lodged in the thing. I've got to supply my tax number. I've got to supply my other number. I've got all sorts of things to make sure that they're paying the money to the right person. They then supply the tax office and they supply me with a piece of paper at the end of each year saying, this is how much you've earned out of the company. It can all be done. And because I charge VAT and because I file, my, which I must remind you, I must do my VAT. Uh, because I file my, my VAT, it's a case of the tax man. They're all linked up together. They would know exactly what I'm earning because I put it through on the VAT. It's as simple as that. I, could, I couldn't possibly cheat, nor would I want to cheat. It would be, I, d- I don't know how I'd manage it, to be honest with you, unless I sort of just made something up on the VAT and just didn't bother about it. But I can't do that. I can't do it. But I, I, I agree with you. I think you're probably right that if you're doing something, you know, which is sort of a little magazine job here, a little magazine job there, and a cheque comes in the post, you think, I shan't bother to mention it. Because nobody will know. But, of course, the magazines had to put you through. They can't just hand money out without saying this is where it's gone to. This, you know, 150 quid or 100 pounds or 20 quid went to Linda Nolan. So then they check on Linda Nolan's tax. They go, wait a minute, it doesn't show here. Why, why is it not showing here? Perhaps she didn't have an accountant. I don't know. I can imagine. And I'm, I'm quite sympathetic to the fact that there are people in the business who fall on hard times. I'm very sympathetic to that. I'm very, I'm very aware of the fact that some people get to, you know, their sort of twilight years. In her case, nowhere near her twilight years. Her husband dies um, and everything goes pear-shaped. And all of a sudden she's got no income coming in and it must be really difficult. I I sympathise with that. At the same time, though, I have to say, listen, what you did was illegal. That's why they're taking you to court. The court will then decide. You can't get blood out of a stone. What they're going to take... She's living in rented accommodation. She's obviously got... You know, nothing. 
And that's why I think it's sad. She was, at one time, part of a, a very big, multi-selling group. I mean, they sold millions of records in Japan. They were huge. Huge. They went on a tour. I'd love to know how much money they made out of that. Where's, where's that money gone? All these sort of things. You know, why didn't her husband have insurance? You know, why did they not have any savings? You know, you have to prepare. Life goes through ever so quickly. Believe you me, it goes through ever so quickly. I'm testament to. Uh, lovely one here from... Um, who's this from? Oh, it's from our oh, it's from our very good friend Paul at the Hinge and Bracket official website. And uh, he says, loving the show on the podcast. He said, I, I haven't uh, uh, said hello for a while as I haven't had much chance. Off to Taunton. This must have been yesterday. Because what they do, the fans of Hinge and Bracket, they decorate about... <laughs> I'm sorry, it always makes me laugh. They decorate about... Uh, seven handbags, and uh, what what they do is they they do them with with flowers in, and they put them on the bench, and the bench is there as uh, as a tribute from the Hinge and Bracket official website. So I have to mention Paul Bishop, Mo, Jane, Terry Tarrant, Liz, and Paul Davis. Not forgetting Paul and Hilary Miles, who looked after Patrick in his last few months. And uh, this was um, he says. <laughs> We, we all did these displays while sipping on Ember Cream because he is single handedly with this with this super lot of people, you know, keeping alive the memory of Hinge and Bracket and what they what they gave to a lot of people. And if you met Paul, you seriously, you'd look at him and go, you were a fan of Hinge and Bracket. He doesn't fit into that category at all. He says, but uh, we got 200 pounds worth of flowers. Uh, Patrick Fife's uh, grave is down. there. He was Dame Hilda Bracket, as you know. Uh, and they got them from Judith Goss, Goss Florists, who are delivering uh, on Monday the 11th. So tomorrow at uh, at midday. How oh, lovely. And they always do it. They always go down. And then it, since, how many years do you think since Dame Hilda Brackett, Patrick Fife died? 13 years, ladies and gentlemen. 13 years. I did interview Hinge and Brackett. And in fact, I have done, um, I've done Paul as well. We sort of used to come into one of our buildings a long, long time ago. I think we've, we've, we've kind of lived life together, I think, as it is. But well done to everybody down there. Well done to everybody and uh, for doing such a nice thing. Such a nice thing to keep... They have a bench with a plaque on the back of it. 13 years, though. 13 years. Whew, how time flies. So well done to you. Nice to hear from you. Glad you're keeping up with the podcasts. For those people who, every time I mention the podcast, they always write in, they go, how do you podcast? And I say, listen... It's the simplest thing in the world to podcast. First of all, Monday through Friday, I have a free podcast. It's about 20 minutes, and you get it by going to the LBC website, which is lbc.co.uk. On there, you will find an app which you can download to your phone. It works on Apple phones or Android phones, and it means... And it's free, free to do. It doesn't cost you a penny piece. And once you've got that, it then means that you can... Uh, have this free podcast sent to your phone every single day, normally ready by about quarter to seven in the morning. The moment we, we finish the programme at half past six, we all podcast. I do it live every day for you. And then it goes out and thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people download it, which is great. It gets sent to you. It doesn't cost you a penny piece. There is another side of podcasting on LBC, which I can only urge you to do. Because it, it means, and if ever you go away on holiday, if you are so addicted to LBC, as many of you are, you go away on holiday and you want to be able to listen to the programmes. And so there's another section on the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, whereby you can pay from as little as £2 a month and you can download everything. 
So, you know, in a month you could download, I wouldn't like to imagine how many programmes. I should imagine something like well over 100 programmes in a month. Well over 100. And you get to keep them. You don't sort of lose them after a while. So you can podcast, you can go back in our archives uh, for all the in-conversations. We go back so many years, so many years. And lots of other programmes. And we, with a programme like this one today, this will be available as a podcast later on. And we take out the news, we take out the travel if there is any, and we take out the adverts. And you just get the programme. And it's it's a nice thing to have. I get no end of people who say, we're going on a as we had the boys on a cruise a short while ago, saying, we took you with us. You went on the cruise. Because that that's it's a better... At least it means, because you don't have to rely on anything when you go abroad, do you? So I I urge you to do that. Seriously, it's worth it just for the free podcast. And there's a few of us have got a free podcast. I think it's about two or three of us have got them, I think. I wouldn't like to swear to that because I can't remember. But but go and do it. Go and do it. I promise you. Change your life. You'll be writing back to me going, thank God for podcasts. Thank God for... Po-. I sat on the plane, had a lovely journey listening to an old James O'Brien programme or a, a new Steve Allen programme or a piece of archive, Nick Ferrari or Ian Dale or Nick Abbott or Clive... You have to mention all of them now, don't you? Christo and everybody in Petri. Just goes on and on and on. But uh, it's it's worth having. Worth having, I promise you. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. This is um, a story in the paper today of the perverted secrets of the clockmaker. This is uh, a man called Keith Harding. Keith Harding features in the paper today. They say his staff restored antiques for royalty. They claim he played a vital role in Britain's biggest child sex ring. They say that he met regularly with MPs Leon Britton and Cyril Smith at his workshop. Jeremy Thorpe would also drop by, along with key members of Pi, which is the paedophile information exchange. Uh, the Pi list, seized in 1984, records Harding, who died from cancer last year, as member 329 and his address in Holloway. He's understood to have kept hidden a list of more than a thousand Pi members with prominent names, including top politicians from the Thatcher era. Apparently one of his staff who worked with him for seven years, said Leon Britton and Cyril Smith were both regular visitors to the shop. Usually they would come in via the side door. Other times they would ring the bell at the front entrance. They would straightaway ask for Keith, who'd be coming down the stairs. They'd either go up to his office for a private meeting or they'd be going out for several hours. It's only now that I start wondering about Leon Britton and Cyril Smith and wondering what on earth they were doing. And so that's in the paper today. These were all people linked to Jimmy Savile. Because Pi, the paedophile information exchange, uh, was a list of people who had similar interests in children. And they would feature on the television. In fact, you know, uh, Jimmy Savile had access to lots of children on the television. Because it was part of the Jim will fix it programme. That's, that's what they were able to do. They were able to, you know, if you were interested. And I keep saying, I don't know why the papers have never picked up on this one. They might now. That Savile never went away on a fix it. Apart from one to the Dead Sea with a 12 year old girl. And I must have been the only person who thought it looked slightly strange. Slightly strange. Uh, what else we got here? Oh, Nigella. Nigella Lawson. We do like Nigella. But she was upset after her American dream. Crumbled. Has to be crumbled, doesn't it? She cooks. ABC have axed her primetime television cookery show, The Taste. It's the Disney-owned network, and it went from 7 million to under 2.7, and that, in American terms, is a failure. You know, there are more people working on a show than there are watching it, and that's when you have to, uh, you have to sort of say no, 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 no. Uh, there's a Buckingham Palace servant 
I've got a good story about in the in the papers this morning, which you'll like. I'm tr- trying to find a nice story on a Sunday morning. It's a bit it's a bit pushing it, isn't it? Really. And the heroes who were honoured in a corner of a foreign field. I turned on a program the other day. What the Dickens was it? It was a lady. They obviously reunite people with bits of their past that they weren't aware of. And this was a lady whose husband, I think, had been shot down in an aircraft, and they took her abroad to this place, and I, I can't remember for the life of me where it was, but he, he took her, she was quite elderly, and took her down to the shore of this lake, and he said, you see over there, and she looked over there, and he said, you see that thing sticking out of the, of the lake? That's his aircraft. That's the remains of his aircraft. It's got a, it's got a, a, a plaque on it and everything now. And uh, they rowed her over to it, and she put roses on there, because they didn't know where he'd been buried. I think the people over there, I think it, it might have been Germany, they said that they buried them on the shoreline, but they found no evidence of that at all, so they weren't too sure what had happened. But that, all of a sudden, brought it home to her. And there must be thousands and thousands of war widows, and they say, that's where your husband fell, or your wife fell, or your mother, or your father, whoever it was... And it must have been like that in the East End during the war. I've been through the East End, and they're sort of they're still constantly rebuilding and knocking down. And for many people who lived through the war in the East End, these VE Day celebrations must must really bring it back home to you. When you look at an area and you think, "My God, I remember exactly what it was like." My mother used to get very depressed if ever we drove through the East End. She used to say, because she used to live in Leytonstone, she said, "I remember what it was like in the East End." She said, awful, absolutely awful. Quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Sunday, but sorry, I, I mentally switched off just, just for a, a brief moment, just to sort of, you know, let you know that I'm still in the real world. I've got a nice story for you. The kindness of the Queen. It's little stories like this that kind of reaffirm my, my faith in the royal family. You know that I'm a huge fan of the royal family. I've nailed my colours to the mast on numerous occasions. Well, I say I'm a huge fan of the royal family. I'm not a fan of Prince Andrew. I don't like Sarah Ferguson. Uh, I don't like Prince Andrew's two children. I'm not wild about Princess Anne, but people tell me, no, you should you should learn to like her. It's a tough thing. I'm not over keen on her daughter. Um, I like the Queen, and I do love Prince Philip. I think there's something, there's something quite unique about him. There's something quite remarkable about Prince Philip. I couldn't put my finger on it, but I've watched him being interviewed by people, and I thought I'd love to have a go of interviewing him. I seriously would, because I think I would charm him out of the trees. I've I've watched him. I've watched I've watched female. The last one who who really turned herself inside out practically was um, Fiona Bruce. I think she was interviewing him and she tried everything. She did the mm, I'm so sexy and I know it kind of thing. And he wasn't buying into any of it. You know, I don't like little things like you. You know, don't don't try. And he was he was deliberately making it as difficult as possible. And she was floundering, floundering badly. So I, I and then it, it made me sort of think to myself, I'd love to talk to him. But I know through. Uh, the last time he appeared on LBC, you have to submit your questions in advance. And as I don't even know the questions <laughs> at all on any of my uh, programmes, I've never written anything down, I think not for about 30 years. I have no ability to stick to questions because I go by what they say to me. So if somebody says something, somebody always taught me years ago a great interview on LBC called Bob Holness. He said the, the one trick about interviewing is to listen to what they're saying and pick up on that. If you write questions down, they answer a question. You're not really listening because you're looking at your next question. So the first one might be, how did you get into the business? And then the second one would be, so where do you see your career going? But they might have said something interesting in their first question. So once you've learned how to listen to what they're saying and it becomes a conversation, not a question and answer session, 
you've cracked it. It's as simple as that. Did you ever meet Tommy Cooper? Yes, I did. Like to like to drink. Like to drink. Uh, David, I did get the Tai uh, Chin CD. I did play Going Home. Thank you so much indeed. Somewhere, somewhere, my brother must have it somewhere. So I don't think we threw our parents' records out. I've got the seven-inch record, or he must have the seven-inch record, of Tai Chin singing, I hear my heart go ding-dong, eat down inside my heart. It's lovely. I sang it the other day to Michael, who is... Uh, who is uh, James O'Brien's producer. And each time it just makes us laugh. We could just laugh about that at all. Music was very good, Steve. Loved it. A lot of people enjoying the uh, the VE celebrations. Um, somebody else who says, um, strange how benefit fraudsters are sorry for what they do after they get caught, but not while they're getting away with it. Yes, I mean, this is the Linda Nolan story. And it's, I mean, it's a shame, isn't it? You're right. Once they get caught... Then they hold their hands up, and she's done what I call damage limitation, especially in press terms. She's, you know, the papers obviously got hold of it, and she said, oh, I'll tell you everything. It's not, I didn't do it deliberately. I, d- I was at a low ebb. My husband was, was dying and all this kind of stuff. And uh, and so you do, you do feel a little bit sorry. But at the same time, if they've decided to put her on trial for benefit fraud, then I'm going with that. They might then go, there isn't a case to answer, she's admitted her her guilt and she's offered to pay it back, but I don't know if that's enough in this day and age. Most of you seem to think that she has to, uh, she has to be made to pay. It doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter who you are nowadays. If you commit a crime, then you have to, you have to pay for it. Uh, Daz says, I like this one actually, short and sweet for you this morning at uh, nine minutes to six. What do you call a Russian premier standing on a cracker? Putin on the Ritz. Okay, I know. I'll start the car. There's no point. Uh, Samira says it's not fair to criticise David Lammy on the strength of a celebrity mastermind appearance, which had a clever, deliberate comedy aspect to it. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. It absolutely didn't. Mastermind does not have a comedy uh, aspect to it at all. He knew nothing about his chosen subject. He was possibly the dimmest person I've ever seen on the programme. It's got nothing at all to do with that. That they, they sh- the Conservatives should use. If the best that Labour have got is David Lammy, who thinks he can run London with, uh, with, with such a limited general knowledge, a limited general knowledge, I don't think he knows enough about, uh, you know, I've seen some of his appearances, Westminster, looks like bad bluff to me bad bluff. That's just my opinion. Luckily, everybody's different, Samira. Uh, which is, you know, that that's the whole idea, isn't it? Um, I, I don't want to read Kitty Kelly's book on the Royals. I read it about Sinatra. How she was still alive at the time, I'll never know. Never know at all. Uh, I get mine on my iPad, your podcast. You always talk, says Patricia, about it coming through to iPhones. Yeah, I mean, I'd, um, I just assume that it goes to Android. You can have it delivered to the iPad as well. So that's uh, that's good. Uh, 84850, Steve at uk. We shall weave everything in on the programme. And uh, another one here. Uh, Howard says, I went to one of those cheap shops yesterday. Security guard said, what are you... What are you wearing under your bra? He said, very worrying, because I'm a, I'm a bloke. This was the story of Poundland, where they, uh, they asked a girl uh, in the shop and two others to uh, pull their bras out so they could see they weren't hiding money, because obviously money's gone missing. And so they, um, so they asked them to do it. I thought it was absolutely outrageous, to be honest with you. I really did. I thought that was, uh, you know, just a terrible, terrible thing. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Not had another... Da- I'm looking at the images on, on Sky at the moment of, um, of a, a, a wildlife park, I think in America, where they've got um, orcas 
killer whales. And here they've got some people crossing a bridge being pursued by bears. You don't want to argue with bears. I mean, bears can outrun you easy peasy. Seriously. And people are trying to get away from them. It's like a mother and the cubs. But if, the, if these bears decide to attack, you don't stand much of a chance. And a few of the people standing on the bridge were pensioners. But they were doing a story about orcas, I think because they've had a bad history in America in, the, in some of the aquarium shows, the aquatic shows, where the orca, the killer whales, have attacked their, their keepers. Because they're not in huge places. You know, they're used to roaming the oceans. And they end up in something roughly... A, it's like you, you know, somebody running the bath and keeping you in the bath all day long. And all night. And seven days a week. You wouldn't be kindly disposed, would you, to the people looking after you? Oh, we've come to give you some food, but you're staying in the bath. There's a, a story about the Queen today, as I've already laid my uh, mat right at the door of Buckingham Palace. This is a terminally ill Buckingham Palace servant who gave a thumbs up after he learnt the Queen had awarded him two special medals for his years of loyal service. He died three minutes later. Three minutes later. This is uh, Her Majesty had taken immediate action to make sure he got the medals as soon as she was told that David Grimson was on his deathbed. He was a 48-year-old footman. He'd worked at Buckingham Palace for 20 years. He often joked that he would carry on, he said, until I get my long-service medals. He was diagnosed with inoperable cancer and believed he might never live to be awarded the Royal Victoria Medal and the Long and Faithful Services Medal. Word reached Her Majesty that uh, David who contracted pneumonia, was dying in the Royal Brompton Hospital, and she ordered the medals be issued with immediate effect. And uh, in his eulogy, the master revealed how he'd planned to deliver the medals personally to David the next day, but because David seemed so frail, his doctors decided to tell him so he knew how keen Her Majesty was to present him with these uh, with these medals. They're lovely. So, you know, they, they gave, you've got the medals that you wanted from Her Majesty... He gives a thumbs up, thumbs up, and then three minutes later he dies. Almost like people hang on for it. So that was uh, that was a that was a nice story. The bad story, of course, was the hospital, the NHS Trust, who's apologised for sending out a leaflet to date eight hundred and fifty patients, saying you might have cancer. Can you imagine how you'd feel? You're sitting there. Oh, we got a letter. What might have cancer? Good grief! The East Sussex Healthcare NHS Trust had included the wrong leaflet in letters sent to patients in March. Oh, could push you over the edge. It stated the recipient had been referred to hospital for an urgent appointment because their symptoms might indicate cancer. Because don't they say now, we were running adverts, I'm sure, on LBC, that said, if you've had a cough for more than three weeks, it could be cancer. I've had it for about a year. You don't really think it's cancer, do you? I don't know what's going to get me in the end. I'd love to find out. I'd like to open a little book to go, I wonder what's going to get me, because I've always said... I'm going to die at work. I've always said that, I know. It's just as an inconvenience, to be honest with you. I'm only doing it just to make sure that Nick Ferrari has to do a programme with me propped up in the corner with an anorak over my head. Macabre though it might seem, I would have the last laugh on that one. I would. But now we've got two studios, it's not likely to happen. It's, I'm a, I always feel I've been a bit cheated in the whole thing. But uh, you do, you do want to do that. Like Tommy Cooper died on stage. You know, you would want to, you know finish up in the place where, where you were happiest, really. Ridiculous and happiest. What am I talking about, honestly? Makes it sound like it's a fun fair. Uh, <laughs> 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, Victoria Beckham has done an interview, I think, in some magazine as she tries to balance work and family life. She said her children uh, were a wonder to me every day. They hide notes in her suitcase before she leaves to go away in business. Like, who are you, I should imagine? 
You know, when are you coming back, strange woman with dark glasses? When are you going to eat properly? These would be the notes that they'd be putting in. And apparently then we had been a bit of a laugh, didn't we, earlier on this morning? Sorry to laugh at other people's misery, but that's the way I go. It's, um, it's the fact that Brooklyn might be given his own reality show. Doing what? He's 16 years old. What has he ever done? He had a job as a barista, which they put out. That lasted all of about a day. And uh, so that was that. Um, what else has he done? He's been out with a, with a girl. So far, not looking very promising as a reality show, is it? I mean, they've got to be a little bit more on offer. He's got to sort of have done something, unless they're going to invent a lifestyle. I suppose it'd be more interesting to see little Davy's lifestyle, wouldn't it? A reality show about Dave. Why have they never thought about that? And the truth of the matter is, I think you'd find it would be as boring as heck. I think you would find Dave sitting at home, staring into the distance, you know, with his colouring pencils in one hand. I don't think you'd find that he'd be doing loads of things, because every time we've seen him, and he's got his own paparazzi... Every time you see him, he's either on his motorbike or he's in the gym. Well, you can't make a reality programme out of that. People would be sitting there going, does he do anything? And they go, well, not really. I think he made a sandwich today in the kitchen. And then, and then, but we know that none of them can cook because every time they're sort of down in Notting Hill, they're going out to the local pizza place. They're going out to get sort of stuff from Greg's and things like that. So I don't, I don't believe Victoria Beckham has ever picked up a frying pan. I don't think she's got the strength. Seriously, I mean, those frying pans are really heavy. I think she'd have to say, Dave, you need to help me. I need to lift the frying pan out of the cupboard. And he'd go, I don't know what to do with that. You know, because he's got one of those funny little voices. So I think a reality show with Brooklyn, I mean, I, I think it might show up the, the, um, the cracks in the family. I think, the, I think there might be problems with that. Well, I think there could be. I mean, I might be wrong, but of course, as you know by now, I'm never wrong. It's LBC. Uh, more of the papers in the final hour of the programme this morning. Yes, we're finishing early because we started early. So when you come to record the programme, when you come to get the podcast, do not be confused by the time. We started at four o'clock this morning. Uh, some of the front pages, David Cameron will offer the SNP concessions in the wake of their landslide election victory, according to The Telegraph. I think it's something like, have they got 56 seats? I don't know how much money we're, we're going to be expected to, uh, to give them anymore. Hopefully not too much. The hate mob in number 10 rampage is the headline on the front of the Mail on Sunday. And The Sun on Sunday come up with the shock horror headline that Louis Walsh has been dropped from The X Factor after 11 years. I'm Steve Allen. That and more is next. On FM. Online. On your mobile and on digital radio. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC. This is LBC. Leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. It's Sunday the 10th of May. It's, uh, well, this would be the beginning of the programme, but in fact it's coming up to the end of the programme. Well, I say coming up to the end of the programme. We've got an hour to go, because uh, I finish at 7 this morning, so Stig will be here at 7 until 10, and James O'Brien will be here at 10 o'clock. You will be confused, I promise you. Uh, coming up in a moment, we'll go through the front pages of the papers. The mail, the hate mob at number 10, the rampage there. Do you know the hatred on these people's faces? When, you know, quite clearly the country went conservative, but because they didn't like it, they think it's OK to deface um, part of the cenotaph, I believe. So we'll talk about that, the hard-left shame. If anything was doing them a disservice, it'll be these people. 
All of that and more. We take your texts and emails. You're not uh, you're not uh, siding with Linda Nolan. I thought you might be this morning. Linda Nolan is on the front of the mirror. Uh, her benefit fraud shame. Um, she's been said. She thought it. I think it was over and done with. But then they obviously decided to prosecute and so got a, a letter from the courts with benefit fraud at the top of it and that kind of pushed her a little bit over the edge and uh, she felt a bit depressed i know it's it's not been you know nice for her but then other people also don't have nice lives she's had a privileged life because she toured with the nolans they got treated like celebrities you know she's had everything and then she turns around and does something like this uh, she says you know i might have been stupid and ignorant but i'm not you know a, a fraudster and, and i thought well it doesn't matter which which way you paint it they're taking you to court. We'll wait and see at the end of the day what the what the courts decide. Louis Walsh has been actor in The X Factor. Not that we were surprised. Not that we were surprised that Louis Walsh was axed. He's had a good run. I mean, he's had a really good run. He's had a number of years uh, that he's been on the programme. I've liked him being on there. I seriously have. I've thought, I mean, he does have the track record. I don't care that he's, uh, he's getting on a little bit. He's 62. Don't think he's that old, he says. Holding, keeping his fingers crossed at the same time. I just think that he, he's got the track record. He knows what makes a hit record. He did it enough for Westlife. He did it for, for Girls Aloud. Uh, Jedwood were very, very successful. You don't really hear of Jedwood much now. They've disappeared ever since Louis decided he didn't want to manage them anymore. And, um, and, he's, and he's got a nice little life going for himself. I think he likes to keep his friends. He's still friendly with the boys, I think, from Westlife. And uh, and sees them, I think, on a regular basis when they go over to Ireland, where they're all over the place, aren't they, at the moment? So that's a shame. It's who they replace him with. You see, I don't think that he was the slide in the X Factor. I think that the big mistake Simon Cowell made was sticking to the same formula. You know, the public are just getting bored with the same old, same old. And it's not same old panel. It's same old cliche-ridden artists coming on. People who, you know, so what? what's the dream? You know, it says poor old Cheryl Vasandes, Spagbol, Fernandez, Nee Tweedy, whatever her name is. And uh, and she says, so what's the dream way, eh? You know, great. And, and we sit there watching these people, and for the first few weeks, you know, you suffer with the idiots that they've dragged out of some home. Matron has given them a day pass. And they turn up on television, they go, yeah, because I'm going to be a singer. And they warble through something which is so stupendously awful that the audience sit there laughing at them, and then they push the buzzers. Well, all these people have been vetted. They don't just sort of turn up and then they put them, you know, straight on the stage. It doesn't work like that. That that would be far more entertaining because then you could whittle through them. No, it's a carefully contrived programme. They all arrive in. People will be auditioned. They'll go and see them. They'll see them again. Like on the Britain's Got Talent. They don't just go to East European circuses all the time and just bring somebody in who juggles with live ferrets or something. They, do, they, they will go there. They'll look at an act and then decide whether or not they want to put them on the programme. If they come with a history, even better. Because you've got to get a story in the newspaper. So we had a story the other day of somebody from Britain's Got Talent who was a magician's assistant who was also an X-rated model. For that read, she did those sort of films, which you can't buy, really, unless you go to the internet, <coughs> apparently. And, um, and so you put these people on there. I think on The X Factor, it's silly. Some of the people have turned up two or three times before, and he knows who these people are. They have to, they have to go through the process. So they listen to them, and they still put them on. If somebody can't sing, what's the point of putting them on the television? And the answer is they're making a programme. They're trying to stretch it out. So it's got nothing to do with Louis Walsh. I wish sometimes the panel would be at least a bit more honest and go, listen, I mean, it's very sweet, but you're just rubbish. 
You can't sing for toffee. Why on earth do you seriously believe that you're going to stand up here and be able to entertain people? You couldn't entertain yourself in the bathroom. And they put them on there and we buy into it because it's so, it's so beautifully done. I still maintain, though, for all his faults, that the best exposure of it was the Peter Kay programme. Redid it with Pete, Pete Waterman and everything else. And it was just beautifully done. They all had to have a story on the programme. You know, my auntie granny's just died. And they said, oh, that's a shame. And then you hear the music coming up underneath and, and all this kind of thing. And that's what they do on The X Factor. That's why it's so clever. It's so clever. They get them on stage and they go, so what you hear? I mean, they, they do it in America. Same, same formula. There's two boys in, America, in Australia. And they're the somebody twins. And they're very nice boys. And they said, so, you know, you've been singing long? Yes. And it turns out both their mum and dad were killed in a car crash. So from an early age, they were brought up by family members. And they're twins. And they've, they've obviously got a strong bonding between them. And, of course, that's when you get the music. And, and somebody on the panel said, you lost both your parents. And they went, yes. And, you know, and, and it does tug at the heartstrings. When we get it over here, I become terribly cynical. I become so cynical thinking, wait a minute, are you going to have a dead relative you're going to bring out? Or, you know, we've just had the cat embalmed and it, it wasn't even dead. And things like that. You're going to get some sort of horrible story that's going to come back again and again. And they're going to go, so why are you here? Me nana was run over by a tractor. You know, and you go, oh, that's a shame. I know she went round on that wheel for a good mile. Good mile. She was clinging on for grim death. And death was what got her in the end. And then they go, so what are you going to sing? Oh, I'm going to sing so-and-so. And then they start and you think, God, it's awful. You know, you can either sing or you can't sing. And if you can't sing, don't bother. I mean, I can hold a tune. I wouldn't even be as uh, presumptuous to think that I could turn up on a television programme. But it's beautifully made. The one thing you can't complain about is how beautifully it's crafted. I don't quite see the purpose of Anton Dex standing at the side of the stage going, yeah. I mean, there's no, they just go, on you go, and that's it, because somebody else takes them on. They don't have to have Anton Deck doing it. But still interesting, but, no, you know, not to Axe Louis. Bless her. I mean, get rid of, uh, you know, the spag bowl woman. Nobody likes her anyway in the country. That's why her last single never charted. Nobody really bothered with her. She's just a bit of a silly show-off now. And she doesn't have any experience. You know, if she had a fantastic track record, I don't, um, you know, I, I don't kind of see the purpose of her. Um, 84850, Lee says, Linda Nolan must have earned heaps of money as they were massive in Japan and, uh, and spent a lot of time there. Uh, I'm currently unemployed, and if I did some taxed work, I'd declare it. She didn't, so she committed a criminal offence. Uh, she'll be the next Kerry Katona. Well, I'm surprised she hasn't been, actually. I'm surprised she hasn't been. You watch, there'll be sympathy now in all the in the uh, the papers. He said, if, if she does the Iceland advert, I'm not shopping there ever again. Well, Kerry Katona, I mean, she's, she's run out of steam now, hasn't she? Can't be anything else that she can do to try. She had a, a piece in some little magazine, which, you know, sells a couple of hundred copies or whatever. And that was on, you know, doesn't she look amazing? Like, who cares? What, why would you bother standing there looking like an old woman with a very severe haircut, which doesn't suit her at all, going, doesn't she look amazing? What, who, who would that be appealing to? I can't think of anybody. I don't know anybody who would be remotely interested in anything like Kerry Katona. She doesn't do anything. I mean, Daniela Westbrook was bad enough. There's a woman who's wasted her life completely, shoved half of Columbia up her nose. You know, and then we all go, oh, is she working? No, she's not. She's not. She turned up, you remember the other day? Turned up with Brian Harvey to deliver a petition to uh, number 10 Downing Street about the abuse of children. I wasn't sure if they just sat there and made a phone call. And so, what should we do? Should we go to Downing Street today? Yeah, let's go to Downing Street. I mean, Brian looked like he'd just sort of fallen out of some squat somewhere. All very worrying. But, um, 
if she can cough up 12 grand, says Lee, in, uh, in paying back, you know, then she was also committing fraud, which you're not entitled to benefits if you have savings. No, she doesn't have, I mean, she's paying back the 12,000. She doesn't have 12,000. She's paying it back out of what? I've got no idea. If she's living in rented accommodation, I don't know where she's getting this, this money from. I really don't. But there again, I don't understand half of these things. I've got no idea. I mean, where, where did the Nolan money go to? Why did her husband not have savings? Why did they not have insurance policies? Why did they not have some sort of pension in place? Either way, it, I'm sure it'll all come out in court and you'll see it and then she'll be invited on to this morning. I should imagine she can't do anything at the moment. She might turn up on Loose Women. That would be a bit of a coup for them tomorrow. Get her in the papers one day and then on Loose Women. But on the other hand, they'll have to pay for her to stay in a hotel. And I don't know whether she's got kids. I don't know enough about her. But uh, benefit fraud, shame. They all do it, though, don't they? I see it more and more. And I get more and more depressed about people who cannot look after themselves. Or their family can't help them. If my brother fell on hard times and said to me, you know, I, I need, you know, can you, could you help me out a bit? Well, then I would try. If it was in my means and he wasn't asking for something ludicrous, well, then, yes, I would. It's as simple as that, because it's family. You do that for family. Quite clearly, her family couldn't care less if she's got to this stage. Uh, other stories in the uh, in the papers today. We might look at some of the big stories. Uh, Blair telling Labour return to centre ground to win again. Isn't it funny? All these years down the line, and they're still cocked up over an election. You know how many times you need to get it wrong. When Thatcher was in power, it was a case of you know for, for Labour to lose, you know, was a bit careless. Second time, oh, not so good. Third time, they quite clearly have screwed up completely. And this time round, they made a big mistake. You know, there's Ed Miliband smiling outside the family home the other day with his wife, Justine, and the kids, all very nice indeed. Why would you be smiling if you've just lost? Why would you be smiling? I thought you'd be standing there with a big, big, you know, looking looking miserable. You've just let everybody down and you're standing there like nothing's happened. Proving, of course, that it's just a bit of a game, ladies and gentlemen, that you pay for. Quarter past six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Sunday, the 10th of May. If you've just woken up, it's LBC. Uh, Stig starts earlier this morning. I started earlier, and so he's starting early. He'll be with you at 7 o'clock until 10, and then James O'Brien will be along. There's a, a story in The Independent on Sunday today about Naz Shah. Naz Shah uh, won Bradford West from Respect's Incumbent. And uh, she's a more emerged victorious after what she describes as a very nasty smear campaign against her during the general election by George Galloway, and says she's considering legal action against him for calling her a liar. Um, she, uh, as a newly elected Labour MP for Bradford West, said she knew she had a fight on her hands when she was selected as the party's candidate only two months ago, but she had little inkling of just how brutal the campaign would be. And this we've heard from lots of people. Esther McVeigh went on television to say she'd been smeared by lots of people, people telling her to get out. and all, Really, I mean, quite nasty. The personal attacks from Mr Galloway's camp, including allegations she'd lied about her forced marriage and that she'd given false evidence at her mother's murder trial and was Israel's candidate of choice in an exclusive interview with The Independent. Ms Shah says the statement Mr Galloway made against her were completely untrue and she would be seeking legal advice. Not the first time people have sought legal advice against George Galloway. I believe he's being investigated, uh, even as we speak, for some impropriety during the election. 
She says, uh, I don't want anybody to experience what I went through. I think that was a travesty. She said, it's not my priority to do this uh, legal thing now. I want to get the office up and running, but it's something I will do. She considers that she was libelled and defamed and questions whether there was a breach of electoral commission rules and regulations. Mr Galloway's spokesman denied the accusation strenuously and claimed to have further evidence. The Miss Shah had lied. He added, George will certainly be pursuing Shah under the Representation of the People Act. If Labour backs Shah to launch a libel action, he will vigorously defend it. Uh, he originally, of course, took Bradford West in 2012, 2012, uh, the by-election there. He dubbed the Bradford Spring, winning more than 10,000 vote majority. But by Friday morning, she's turned that around, winning 19, nearly 20,000 to his just under 9,000. The Shah is refreshingly different from the cookie-cutter politician churned out from Oxbridge. She cut her political teeth campaigning with uh, Southall Black Sisters for her mother's release for prison, where she was held for 14 years after killing an abusive partner. So that's in the uh, Independent for today. Uh, I see that the Tories as well in the local elections have gained more than 500 more councillors. Uh, counting still underway in about 270 authorities. The Tories have picked up 495 councillors. Lib Dems lost 350 seats, whilst Labour lost 188. It's absolute carnage, isn't it, for the Lib Dems? We said this yesterday on the programme in uh, in my borough, in, in Twickenham. We've had Vince Cable for 18 years. And even somebody yesterday I was speaking to said, I, I can't believe, you know, that Vince Cable is, is not the MP. I said, I can. I said, I can, straight away. I said, people got to the ballot box. I think people changed their mind at the ballot box. I think they got there to do their their little cross in the paper, and they looked down and went, Lib Dem? No, Conservative. And they ticked Conservative, because we've been Lib Dem round my way for 18 years. Before that, it was Conservative. Now it's gone back Conservative again. Interesting to see how many councillors we've kicked out as well, and uh, whether we get a new council, because it's, it's just become ridiculous. You have to ask yourself the question. After 18 years, are we better off or are we worse off? Do we have more of what we want? And the answer is no, we don't. And that's why I think the people of Twickenham turned on Vince and went out. And off he went. Off he went. Although he won't read to worry. Of course, he'll end up in the House of Lords. England cricket hero, Freddie Flintoff. Andrew Freddie Flintoff got the police knock on the door the other day. Excuse me. Somebody's driven off from a garage without paying for fuel. He said, it wasn't me, it was the wife. So anyway, he's, uh, he got this letter to say somebody using his car had left a petrol station without paying. He settled the bill... And he told his Twitter followers that his wife, Rachel, had forgotten to pay for fuel while shopping and joked that police should feel free to come around and take her. Nothing joking about it at all. What do you mean she just forgot to pay for fuel that she'd stood there for about five minutes putting in the car? Really? You must think we're really stupid, Mr Flintoff. I'm sorry, as far as I'm concerned, that's a clear, a clear breach of trust between your wife and the petrol pump, and it's theft. Should have been hanged, at least. Or at least wrapped over the knuckles for it. I love the way they say it's funny, isn't it? Because it's Freddie Flintoff. Oh, his wife forgot. You know, and that's apparently the way they answer it nowadays, as opposed to saying, I'm terribly sorry she's going through a particularly bad period. I mean, you could almost understand it, couldn't you, if it was Sally Burko or, uh, or John Burko going out there, putting petrol in and going, I'm, I don't know what's happening with the wife. The Daily Mail today have done a story about John Burko. They say while he fought his seat in the election, his cousin moved into his £1.2 million London home with Sally. Now, whether or not... Because I don't know. I'm not there. Uh, whether or not uh, Sally Burko has left John and is now shacked up with his his cousin, I've got no idea. No idea. I mean, Sally Burko was always an attention seeker. She was always just a little bit dreary, I always thought. She never filled the traditional politician's wife 
role. She always wanted to do a little bit more than that. You know, we had her with the sheet and all the rest of it and showing off on programmes. And then, of course, she had to do a big payout to somebody, didn't she? And we had a bit of a problem with that. And then I think he basically said, listen, just stay in, put a big bin liner over your head and stay there and don't do anything. And she's obviously retaliated. She was caught kissing um, a guy called Clinton Oliver. And uh, then she became friendly with uh, with the big brother thug, Paddy Doherty. And, uh, and apart from that, she's just been a bit of a waste of space, really. Spent a small fortune doing up the uh, apartment. And all the rest of us are going, so she is Sally the Burke. And yes, yes, we don't know here. When she was approached at her Battersea Muse house, she declined to come to the door. A woman who answered the door and identified herself as Sally's mother said, Sally's not available at the moment. Alan Burko did also not respond to a request for comment. So uh, so even Sally Burko, normally they're the first one to come out and go, chap, 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 chap. No doubt she'll be sort of negotiating something with OK Magazine or, or Hello or something like that. That could be quite interesting. Still on Tesco shelves. Tesco not doing very well in the... Uh, mind you, none of them are, are they? The supermarket. Sainsbury's posted record losses. Morrison's posted losses. Tesco, really, people seem to be de- deserting Tesco. And now Sainsbury's and Tesco at the centre of a food safety row over pre-packaged salads, which were feared to contain fragments of metal. Uh, Eleven products have come in. i better tell you what they are, because some of them are still on sale. And if you're thinking of going out, uh, in Tesco, finest Charlotte potato salad, used by date, this is what you're looking for, May 12, 13, 14 and 15. Finest coleslaw and potato salad, used by dates exactly the same. Potato salad, used by May 17, 18. Also, potato salad, 600 grams. God, there's a whole list of these things here. Uh, healthy living salad. Coleslaw and potato salad. Sainsbury's Be Good to Yourself, deli-style coleslaw. Sainsbury's potato salad, uh, 300, 500 300 grams potato salad and 180 grams potato salad, all affected. The Tesco uh, spokesman have said that we've tried to remove as many as possible. One man uh, had started eating his. He went back and Sainsbury's gave him a £5 nectar point and advised him to call back if needed. And then they said no customers have complained so far. Customer safety, of course, is top priority. Tesco said our suppliers informed us that a small sample of the potatoes contained visible pieces of metal due to faulty equipment. Faulty equipment? Visible pieces of metal? Going on? What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, you mentioned earlier, says Malcolm, about the paintings done by Rolf Harris. Whether they're worth anything. Do you know anybody know what happened to the portrait he painted of the Queen? Yes, it's been taken down. I think that was taken down uh, some time ago. Uh, Mark says, uh, X Factor, Britain ain't got talent. Well, I'm beginning to think we've run out. Any of these that use a sob story, it's just, it just cannon fodder. I can't believe the amount of people that still fall into the trap. For the last few years, I've not watched any programme that puts money into Simon Kuching, Cow's pocket. And as for his two little northern monkeys, little Anton Deck grovelling around him, but I think they do work well. I mean, I have no problem with Anton Deck per se. I don't know what they do on the X Factor. They must be coining it and you don't really need them but I suppose you just it, it was there as a buffer but I don't have a problem with them per se because I think they are as good as you're going to get for primetime television on a Saturday they've tried loads of people out and nobody can do it as well as they can their their Saturday night takeaway was was almost I mean admittedly it was nicked from every other program on television there was not an original idea on that program every single thing was copied 
from something else. It was copied from Beatles About. It was copied from, uh, well, just about everything. Noel's House Party. All of that. They just went to each programme and they went, we'll have that bit from there, that bit from there, and then put it together and pretended it was their own. Which, of course, it wasn't. It was one of the TV critics exposed it ages ago. But uh, if you're going to steal, steal from successful programmes. You don't think I do anything on this programme here that is original. Most of it's pinched. Most of it's pinched from other programmes. It has to be. <laughs> uh, Mark thinks that Esther McVeigh will be back in the next by-election. Yes, I mean, I, she, she thought it was a dirty tricks campaign. She'd said she'd had all sorts of uh, horrible comments. Some from even John Prescott. There's a surprise. Fat Boy Fat was out there. He was doing his little bit. Strangely enough, actually, I've not read what Anne Whittacombe thought about the election. But uh, she was asked the other day, you know she's doing this programme where they, they take them back in time, if only. And, um, and they have to do things, you know, and they have to do it. Anyway, they asked them this week to skin a rabbit. No, I won't, she said. Which kind of defeats the object of the programme. The programme is about these people being paid, I'm assuming a decent sum to pretend that they're back in time. They've got, it's, it's an odd collection of people, including Anne Whittacombe, a tall, stunning, willowy blonde. Really, really attractive. And she's on the programme. This is after we called her last week the short, fat woman with bad teeth. Somebody wrote in a complaint, said, I'm going to complain to Anne Whittacombe and let her take it further. We did argue the toss that Anne Whittacombe was a short, fat little woman with very bad teeth. But uh, that seemed to make no difference at all. So we watched her this week. And they wanted her to skin, I think, a rabbit or something. No, I won't. So she didn't. But the whole programme is based on that. Is there anything she can do? Answer, she can't dance. Better take her to task on that one. She obviously can't skin a rabbit and she can't lose weight. What hope? What hope, ladies and gentlemen? Other stories in the news we'll come round to in, uh, in a moment. Including Beyonce singer in Attack Terror. Britain's Got Talent sensation Aaron Carty, who did an impression of Beyonce, I think he's a man, isn't he, apparently told that he has his he had his wrist slashed by a crazed junkie during his time as a police officer. Well, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that, does it? A cross-dressing police officer who had his wrist slashed by a junkie now dresses up as Beyonce. You could only get it, couldn't you, in the Daily Star Sunday. You couldn't find it anywhere else. Oh, there is somebody who's droning on about their boring, boring, boring life, I'm afraid. Yes, Kelly Maloney. I really don't care anything else about Kelly Maloney. I mean, seriously, it's now turning into Dullsville, so please, Kelly, zip it. OK? It's half past six. Coming up at seven on LBC, Stig Abel. As many as six in ten young voters turn out in the general election, but with 27,000 people per seat for the SNP compared to, wait for it, 3.9 million people per seat for UKIP, did your vote actually really count at all on Thursday? Leading Britain's conversation, Stig Abel. This morning from seven on LBC. Certainly will be, and uh, the first first morning, actually, I won't be having the pleasure of seeing him standing in front of me, because he's going to be from uh, our studios downstairs today. Mark says, I can remember listening to Jimmy Savile presenting Pick of the Pops in 1982. Uh, one week he refused to say the word sexual in the Marvin Gaye song, which was sexual healing. One hour later, he had severe problems with the Chuck Berry song, My Dingaling. Yes, I remember. That was a, you know, th- those were odd days then. They were very odd days when, when the oddest records got into the charts. Uh, the Sun on the front page this morning, the Burko marriage crisis. This one, I think, will run this week. I think there's going to be more this week that uh, you'll be ma- made uh, aware of. And I should imagine by the time we get to... Should we, t- should we take a calculated guess 
on this one. I reckon by when... Oh, bless. You don't have to come in. Honestly, seriously. I've got a picture of you in my loft. <laughs> Which is unusual, because I don't have a loft. <laughs> so that's even more frightening. So what do we reckon? John and Sally Burko? Split? Not split? Cracks appearing? Cracks appearing? It's, yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Interesting one. I, I, I predict by Wednesday they'll be separated. I've just got a feeling. I just think that she will then say, or he, he will make an announcement saying, you know, we've gone for a trial separation. I think something like that. I've, I put a pound on it anyway. <laughs> Nothing like me spending my money. Now we're conservative. <laughs> gone mad. You're downstairs, by the way. You know it's a long walk, don't you? Start now. It's like a trek for him, bless his heart. He hasn't started at seven o'clock before a stick. It's a bit of a shock to the system. <laughs> Starting at seven in the morning. So the uh, the sun on the front page, so the Burko marriage crisis. It'll be an interesting one. I predict, knowing John Burko, he used to feature on my programme on LBC uh, some years ago, and I always liked him, actually. I never liked her. I seriously never liked her. There was just something about her. She was always, she was a bit attention-seeking, a little bit attention-seeking for me. And uh, I reckon by Wednesday, there'll be, there'll be separate lives. There'll be a statement issued that uh, they're uh, they're having a trial separation or something. I don't think I don't can't see John making this one last the week. He's been embarrassed by her on too many occasions. I think he's put up with a lot, and this this might be just just might be too far. We'll wait and see. I could be wrong. Could be totally wrong. In which case, I shall hold my hands up and say I got it wrong. Uh, the huge shake-up after eleven years. It's not a huge shake-up at all. All they've done is got rid of Mel B. and uh, and Louis Walsh. But remember, Simon Cowell and Louis Walsh go back decades. I mean decades. They know each other very, very well. I mean, it's it's been quite a journey for him. He's probably earned an awful, an awful lot of money. They got rid of Dermot, but that was no big surprise, was it? And they put in Ollie Murs, who's obviously very, very popular, and Caroline Flack, who I don't think people really care about. Um, uh, and now no Louis. So they're now looking for two new people on the panel. Who could it be? Would it be Louis Tomlinson? No. I could almost categorically say I would think it would not be him. You've got to have somebody. I mean, you can't have... Because all it's leaving is Simon Cowell and that uh, Versace woman. You know, and that's, that's not really enough, is it? You need somebody who's got a bit of an experience about the music business. And Louis Walsh had the experience. Who are they going to put on? Watch this space. We still laughed. I'm sorry to laugh again at poor old Kavanagh thinking he's going to get back into the music business. So he puts Katie Price in his video because apparently they were on the same reality show together. Unfortunately, that's where the similarities end. Neither of them could ever do anything in the pop chart. She can't sing for Toffee, as we all know. A whole new world. Remember that one? People said dogs were going around howling every time it came out on the radio. She did it with Peter Andre, who was attempting to warble his way through. I've still got that Christmas album from Iceland. Thank you, little Julie and the rest of you. Uh, <laughs> I like to tell people about these things. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, 84850, uk, And um, <laughs> Steve says, I'm offended by your comparison of Domestos to Joey Essex. Domestos has a worthy use in this world. <laughs> it's, he doesn't really have a worthy use at all. It's not good, isn't it? And uh, Mark says, it's quite easy to, uh, to forget at the forecourt. I filled up once, went in and paid, but then walked up the road forgetting the car. Oh, honestly, that's drugs for you, isn't it? It doesn't get any worse. Uh, front page of the Sunday Telegraph. They say the battle to save the Union election special. Uh, a nice picture of the uh, the baby Charlotte, who spends most of her time sleeping. You don't think she's been given night nurse, do you? And she's just completely out of it. 
Um, Flintoff, as I say, we mentioned earlier on, prompting a lot of you to write in and say that you'd also driven off. Prompting me to ask the question, how many thieves do we have listening to Steve Allen in the morning? The Tory elation, 500 more councillors at the expense of the Lib Dems. This is the local council elections, which is uh, very interesting. The Linda Nolan story is running on the front of the Sunday Mirror. So we'll wait and see what happens there. And then uh, Britain's Got Talent sensation Ella Shaw has told of her torment. Um, uh, Ella is 18, but at the age of 11, she lost all her hair. And that apparently is apparently something you're going to be voting for. I can't imagine why. Um, straight... I'm going to sneeze. I do beg your pardon. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> what if you can spread a sneeze down a radio microphone? Do you think somebody at the other end would go, I've just got that? Anyway, uh, some of the fans of One Direction are slightly peculiar. In fact, they're not just slightly peculiar, they're totally peculiar. Because they've turned on Zayn Malik, hurling completely unacceptable racist slurs at him. I mean, I just don't quite understand how you can allege to be a fan of a group one minute and then write them all sorts of dreadful things the next. I mean, why would you want to do that? I mean, you know, he was an idiot for walking out. He went, I want to be a normal 22-year-old. And I think Liam Gallagher said, what do you want to be a normal 22-year-old for? whole idea is you're in the business. You've got 15 million quid plus in the bank. You know, you're just a bit bone idle, I suppose. Anyway, Brooke Vincent is heartbroken over claims that her soccer star ex is carrying on with the model weeks after they split. So what's he going to do with her? What's he going to do with her with they? I mean, they, they split up and he's going, in with some, he's going out with somebody else because he doesn't want to be with you anymore. So it's, it's somebody called Gemma. Gemma's model, you know, there's a picture of her in the paper. Gemma Elliott, he met her in Ibiza. So, and to be honest with you, he's, he's, he's got rid of Brooke Vincent, very plain, to go out with... Gemma, who quite clearly is not very plain at all, and she's sort of, she's one of these models. And then Brooke gets a bit upset about it. Well, you've split up, you're not going out with him. What do you think he's going to do? Sit at home and mope about the fact that you're not there anymore? No, no, he found her straight away. Very quickly, didn't hang around. Carol Malone, echoing today what we said. She said, I don't care if he is one of the richest men on the planet. I don't care if he's one of the world's fastest racing drivers. In this outfit, Lewis Hamilton looks like a 24-carat twat. P.S. Come back, Nicole. You've never seen anybody look so ridiculous. I mean, he's looking as camp as the proverbial Christmas tree. I've seriously never... I mean, a red fedora, glasses that don't match, a sort of a camouflage jacket with red bits on it, and uh, and shoes with a red stripe. I mean, a real, real burke of the First Order. We've told him before. It's obviously going in one ear and not, uh, not coming out the other side. Somebody needs to have a word with him. You're looking a bit too obvious. OK? Try and sort of change it... A little bit. And then there was um, some ghastly old baggage. You know, the ugly one. That was um, Josie What's-Her-Face. Anyway, apparently she went out with uh, a steroid-pumped bodybuilder. The one thing he was never blessed with was looks. And uh, he went out with her, and then he chucked a paving slab through her window, as the Sunday Mirror revealed last week. And he talks about his, his affair. I mean, you know, they're both uglies. In fact, he's got tattoos on his face, poor soul, honestly. So not only ugly, but a bit brain dead at the same time. And Kevin O'Sullivan, always worth a read in the papers, talking about 24 hours in the past, ruined by pretend Victorian maids Zoe Lucker and Anne Widdicombe, refusing to skin rabbits and gut pheasants. Sort of renders you a bit useless in the kitchen, sighed coach and horses in Cook Jean. It also rendered the entire programme a bit pointless. And when silly old Biddy Widdy adopted a 21st century moral stance against conning-weary travellers, it was just beyond ridiculous. Hey, Anne, writes Kevin, don't take Auntie Beeb's money if you're not prepared to play the game. It's immoral. 
Well, she is a bit silly, isn't she, really? And uh, give a pet a home. Worst link of the week. And, um... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's Amanda Holden. And uh, she said, We've all been celebrating the arrival of the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge's new daughter, Charlotte. But there's been another celebration involving a baby. This one at Gonstall Farm Horse Centre. <laughs> what a load of old pony, she said. What a load of old pony. And that's just about it for this morning. I think it's been a, a jolly little programme. I think we've set the world to rights. You now know what the stories in the papers are. You now know that uh, that he's assembling government, Mr Cameron, that is, as quick as possible. Now that we've lost all the Lib Dems, they seem to have disappeared everywhere. Not just from uh, from Parliament, but you've lost them from your local elections as well. I'm going to be back with you tomorrow morning at the usual time. Wait a minute, the usual time. What is the usual time? Oh, it's four till 6.30. I have to try and remember what I'm doing now. You can listen to LBC, as you know, whenever and wherever you want. All you have to do, go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, download the LBC app, and that will then send you the free programmes, all the ones that we have every day. There's quite a few of us who now have the, the, free, the free podcast. And then there's the pay-for podcast as well. So uh, check that out. So go to lbc.co.uk. By the way, it works for Android phones as well, which has got to be good news. And if you, if you listen to LBC today, you're going to get very confused. Because coming up this morning at 10 o'clock, it's going to be James O'Brien. So you might turn on the radio and suddenly think you've forgotten to go to work. It happened yesterday with a lot of people phoning up going, Nick Ferrari's on the radio, it's Monday, I'm still at home. I got confused as well. Even more confused when, uh, when it turned out that Andrew Pearce was his special guest on Andrew Pearce's programme. Gets confusing? It certainly does, but it's all as clear as everything just after the news at seven this morning for one week only because it's my good friend Stig Abel with breakfast.